Good afternoon. On behalf of Mayor Harnick, I, Neve Ortega, Deputy City Clerk, convened the Palm Desert City Council, successor agency to the Palm Desert Redevelopment Agency, and Palm Desert Housing Authority meetings for September 29th, 2022. We did not receive any public comments in writing for closed session item. If you would like to speak on a closed session item, please raise your hand using the raise hand feature on the Zoom app. Seeing no members of the public present, meeting is adjourned to closed session at 3.05 p.m. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome. And we will now call the Palm Desert City Council meeting, the successor agency to the Palm Desert Redevelopment Agency meeting and Housing Authority meeting for Thursday, September 29th, 2022 to order. And, um, We'll have the roll, please. Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Present. Councilmember Kelly. Here. Councilmember Nestani. Here. Councilmember Quintanilla. Present. Mayor Harnick. Here. Thank you. Council's present. Thank you. Okay, we'll have the Pledge of Allegiance led by Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan, please. And the invocation I'll lead later. Thank you, Mayor. Please join me in honoring our great country. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Thank you so much. So we are here today 
to represent the people and to do the people's business. And we're here to use our resources wisely and well and to represent all members of our community fairly, to make decisions with insight, vision, and understanding that promote the common good for today and tomorrow. And may our personal beliefs give us strength to act honestly and wisely in all matters before us. And please keep those who are struggling with the impact of Hurricane Ian in your thoughts. And uh, know that there are those looking for them and this is a very difficult time. Thank you so much. Okay, do we have any report of clo from closed session, please? Yes, we do. On the, uh, on the item B1, with respect to Desert Willow, the council authorized on a, an extension of the purchase and sale agreement till uh, December 31st on a 4-1 vote. Uh, council member in the standee voting no. On the second item, direction was um, I'm sorry. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Somebody voted no. It was council member Quintanilla. Councilmember, sorry, I got it wrong. My apologies. That's okay, Bob. Yeah. Any um, on the second item, uh, the council provided direction. Mayor Harnick did not participate because she has property in the vicinity. That's all I have to report. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, we'll move to awards, presentations, and appointments, and. Our first is uh, fire prevention and mini muster month proclamation. And do we have somebody on for that? Usually I would think I'd see Mike Lewis and if he's on, can we bring him forward? Maybe not. Okay, maybe it's Okay, okay, now I see it. The screen is populating with people involved with this. Uh, I am at this time going to read the proclamation. Whereas during the month of October, fire station number 33 of the Western Division of the Riverside County Fire Department, California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection, Historical Society of Palm Desert, and Desert Sands Unified School District train Palm Desert third grade students in fire prevention and personal safety through the fire prevention and mini muster program. And whereas the fire prevention and mini muster program celebrates its 30th year at Gerald Ford Elementary, Abraham Lincoln Elementary and George Washington Charter Schools, its 25th year at James Earl Carter Elementary School and its 17th year at Ronald Reagan Elementary School. And whereas fires and volunteers will continue to train Palm Desert students to maintain standards that will ensure a fire safe city for many years to come. Now, therefore, I, Jan C. Harnick, Mayor of the City of Palm Desert, California, along with the entire City Council, do hereby proclaim October 2022 as Fire Prevention and Mini Muster Month in the city of Palm Desert and urge all citizens to pay tribute to the children who participate in this most worthwhile event. 
So thank you, of course, for doing this. Yeah, I know it makes a difference to so many. And I wonder if uh, those receiving this proclamation would like to make some remarks. Mayor Harnick, would you like me to make a remark? That sounds fine to me. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor Harnick and City Council, and especially the City of Palm Desert for uh, uh, being so involved with the mini muster because so many people benefit this, especially from the kids at a young age, learning about fire prevention, learning little things they can do to help themselves if there is a fire. So it's very important. I know the kids are looking really forward to it. Uh, you guys are invited to come to every mini muster. We always need volunteers. And I can see Kath, Councilwoman Kathleen Kelly's definitely got a big smile. So thank you so much. And I know that uh, Chief Beverlin is here with us and he probably wants to say some stuff of how important it is for the fire personnel. So thank you. Thank you, Mike. Okay, Chief Beverlin, would you like to add to that? Yes, ma'am, just wanted to thank the Council staff, the Historical Society and the school district for allowing us to continue to support uh, the mini muster and just realize how important uh, fire prevention is. Um, some stark reminders as to why it's so important is that in 2019, the US Fire Administration um, reported that there was 1.3 million structure fires in the United States. And unfortunately, there was 3,700 deaths uh, across the nation associated with those fires. So that's why fire prevention and the mini muster is so important. Uh, having a working smoking, uh, smoke detector, uh, outside sleeping areas, a working carbon monoxide detector, and practicing escape drills um, from the residents two times a year is so important. Uh, the mini muster teaches these principles and so much more. Our firefighter staff is looking forward to working with the kids and teaching them the survival skills in the event of emergency. And so again, just thank you to everybody involved. It's such an important issue. And uh, we look forward to getting back to uh, being out there with the kids during the mini-muster. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chief. Uh, are there any other comments or questions that anyone might have? And I see uh, Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan, please. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I, I just want to thank uh, Chief Beverlin and his staff, Mike Lewis and his crew. Uh, I'll tell you, besides the, the, the safety enhancement that occurs, uh, we're also building relationships. Uh, the kids adore these firefighters, uh, as do the teachers and the parents. And it's so wonderful to see the parents out there and say, I remember when I was here and, and you know, I went through many muster. So it's multi-generations. And I think it's so important to build that relationship, that, that bridge of trust, and, and that should not be overlooked. So thank you to everyone that makes this possible. Thank you. Thank you. Councilmember Quintanilla, please. Thank you. I just wanted to continue off of that and express the deepest gratitude, not only as a, a mom who kept hearing about how awesome the mini muster is, but your overall service to the community. And whoever hasn't had the chance, even in the community, to go and do a ride along and see all of the stations and the services that we have in Palm Desert, I encourage you. We have, we have wonderful, wonderful partners. So thank you and please stay safe. Are there any other comments or questions? Well, I will tell you the mini muster is a lot of fun and to look at the faces and the eyes of those students 
during it. It's it's worth being there to volunteer so you can watch that. Uh, and I know all the good it does, but just enjoying the faces of those students as they participate is worth everything. So thank you so much. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. Okay, we will now move to uh, under awards, presentations, and appointments, uh, B, which is regional YMC concept presentation. So do we, who do we have for that? Uh, thank you, everybody. My name is uh, Brian Rigby. I am the Director of Design for Grow Development. I've been procured as the Architecture uh, Specialist for YMCA Design uh, for the YMCA of Palm Desert. And, and thank you all for having me today. Um, also have Paula Simmons uh, with the Y. Come in. And Paula, you're muted. We've been having a little uh, Zoom problem uh, here with the Y, so uh, we'll see if we can get that working. But um, I was just going to run you through about a 10-minute presentation of where we are with the design for uh, the YMCA. Um, we're, we're very early on in the process still. Uh, but we'll give you a sneak peek and, and, and answer any questions if that's okay. Wonderful. Thank you. Great. So within the why, we, we often talk about, uh, you know, how good our buildings are is how good our business model is. And, and within the YMCA, our business model is uh, building healthy communities, healthy children, uh, being there for our seniors. Our, our tagline is we're for youth development, for healthy living, and for social responsibility. And we've been doing this across the country. Uh, for many years, I think around 170 years or so, uh, we have over 2,700 YMCA's throughout the country. We have more Y's than we have targets in the U.S., uh, which we're proud of. And uh, we build about 50 new YMCA's per year and renovate probably another 250 or so. Uh, my company, Grow, uh, is fortunate enough to do a large number of Y's. We do about 45 new Y's a year and another 60 or so um, renovations. So, by doing that, we, I mean, this is all we do. So we specialize in, in creating highly performing whys. Um, and what that means are really uh, uh, whys that uh, contribute to uh, positively to the communities, uh, whys that do not turn people away based on their willingness to pay, whys that are able to provide programs and services uh, that are needed within the community. And, and also YMCAs that are fun places to be in, just like the Village People song, right? So what beautiful, you know, building pictures, operations, that's a, the next step, that's the discussion. And I can tell you um, two points to this. Having Brian engaged and his team has really helped drive us and give us some framework. The other side of the development piece is we have a part-time resident here in the Valley that is also a national YMCA board member who is 110% in helping us move the needle on the funding. And I say that because she has been able to assist uh, three other YMCAs with $100 million capital campaigns. And so when I ask the question, is this a reality? 
she says it is a reality. So I know there's a lot more to it, but we wanted to just present where we've, you know, where we've been and where we're at and hopefully where we're headed. Thank you. Would you mind flipping back so we see where the site is? Absolutely. Okay, so, okay, so. Okay. That's on the 170 acres, right? <laughs> yes, it's, um, I, sh I should know the streets on here. We should have had the labels. Uh, it's no, Frank Sinatra it's Drive. Cook and Frank Sinatra. And yep. Cooking, yeah. and uh, we're right where College Drive pulls in. Right. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Are there any other uh, questions, comments? Uh, Mayor Pro Tem, Jonathan, please. Thank you, Mayor. I, I guess I want to skip a few steps and just say, when can you get started? Um, <laughs> but, but I won't do that quite yet. I love that you're looking at it from a community standpoint and a need standpoint. And I especially love that you won't turn anyone away so we can truly serve the entire community. My question to you is, um, I know we have an existing relationship, a wonderful relationship with the Y and financially it's structured on the basis of uh, a one year, a dollar per year lease. Um, I'm just curious if you've thought that far and is that what you envision for this site? Um, you know, Tabby, I think that's a great question. And that would be, um, yep, top of mind and conversation if we could look at that opportunity with uh, the city. Uh, again, the other piece of where we're at with this is it's really hard to move forward and start asking for some seed money for a build such as this if we don't have this information in front of um, potential donors. I hope that answers your question. Mm -hmm. It does, Paul. Thank you. And of course, we're not here to discuss that. I just wanted to understand your framework um, moving forward. Thank you. Uh -huh. uh, Councilmember Kelly, please. Uh, thank you. Very inspirational. Uh, this might be a city manager question. I think the answer is yes, uh, but I want to confirm. Uh, that those, all of those who are engaged in planning our regional park uh, for the area are collaborating with the Y in regard to what it might be able to bring to the table. Yes, uh, we're just kicking off the community engagement uh, process now. Um, once we have a idea of what uh, we're hearing the uh, the needs of the community, the wants of the community up in that area are. We will uh, work with the uh, subcommittee from the that has been appointed to make a recommendation to council as far as how that park could be programmed and start uh, working on cost estimates for you as well. So we're just at the very beginning of likely a six to eight month process. Thank you. Are there any other questions or comments? I do see a member of the public, Dorian W., who appears they would like to speak. So uh, please share your thoughts with us. And if you'd give your name and, and uh, residence, that would be great. Thank you. Please share with us no more than three minutes. Okay, thank you. Good evening. And uh, my name is Dorian Whitney. Thank you for hearing my comments this evening. Um, and I'm from Cathedral City. Um, my concern is just that um, this area um, has no bus on Frank Sinatra Drive. 
Uh, there is the number five bus route that Cook Street, but it only comes five times a day and very spaced out and only operates on weekdays until 6 p.m. latest. Um, I don't really consider that an actual bus route because it's, because it's um, specifically for students of the university that live in Desert Hot Springs. So it just gets on the freeway and goes straight to DHS. So it's not something regular residents can use. Um, there is just something odd to me about having a YMCA with no public transit access whatsoever. Um, so I truly believe we should just have one that goes um, straight up and down Frank Sinatra Drive. And um, for the council member, I'm sorry, I forgot who it is, but uh, the council member who is the director of Sunline, um, I would just like to ask um, to um, have that bus route added. Please and thank you. Okay, thank you so much for your comments. Okay, are there any other questions regarding the YMCA? Okay, um, any re regarding the YMCA? I see no others. So we will uh, now move on and we will move to the city manager comments. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I would like to invite uh, Thomas Sowell to provide council with just an overview of uh, his planning efforts for our 50th anniversary update, uh, and then provide a, a quick overview as well of some of the uh, special events that his team is working on. So Thomas, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you. Good afternoon, uh, Mayor and members of the city council. I'm Thomas Sowell, your public affairs manager, uh, here to give you a brief update on the 50th anniversary preparations. We uh, are continuing our preparations uh, as a collaborative effort among departments at City Hall with our community partners, including the Palm Desert Historical Society and other groups. And uh, the first event connected to the anniversary is really right around the corner, uh, which will be our fourth concert in the park on October 27th, which will feature the Pop Rebels Band playing a variety of music from the 70s. So it's on theme for our 1973 incorporation as a city. And at that concert in the park, we're going to have our first distribution of the Palm Desert 2023 anniversary calendar. And so we'll be uh, we'll be having it first there and then continuing to distribute it uh, to residents and visitors alike. Staff is now working with the marketing committee to finalize a 50th anniversary logo that we'll be using to update social media headers, the city's websites and other collateral such as the calendar that I mentioned. And we're also working on a public relations push planting the seeds now for that to produce coverage for next fall uh, for this significant milestone in the city's history. And then we're also working with existing community events in Palm Desert on ways to incorporate the anniversary into their events throughout the year. And just a couple highlights in the coming months include that we're happy to welcome back the Palm Desert Student Art and Essay Contest this year, uh, which has been on hold for a while. And uh, those, all of that artwork and the essays will be themed uh, Palm Desert 50 Years Looking Back. And then uh, in celebration of Arbor Day, we'll be planting 50 trees around the city with the final 10 being planted right here at Civic Center Park on Arbor Day itself. So events and happenings continue to be added to the schedule throughout the year. 
all of which will culminate in next year in the November 18th, 2023 celebration of the anniversary itself. And just for reference, the anniversary itself is on November 26th, 2023, which is Thanksgiving weekend of that year. And then moving on to other event updates, this Saturday, October 1st, marks the seasonal opening of the popular Carrizo Canyon Trail in Palm Desert. And Friends of the Desert Mountains has published a long list of events coming up for the weeks ahead, including an interpretive hike at Carrizo Canyon to be held this Saturday, October 1st. And if anyone would like to participate in any of their upcoming hikes or events, they can RSVP through uh, the Friends website, which is desertmountains.org. Then on Sunday, October 2nd, we're looking forward to the return of the Palm Desert Certified Farmers Market for the 2022-23 season at the same location, but on a brand new day. So the Farmers Market will now be held every Sunday from 8 a.m. to 1 p.m., beginning this weekend and continuing through next April. The Certified Farmers Market is located at the Entrada del Paseo, which is uh, its normal location in front of the Palm Desert Area Chamber of Commerce at 72559. Highway 111. Then next Tuesday, October 4th, everyone's invited to join us for free coffee and casual conversation with uh, the Palm Desert Mayor when the city's popular coffee with the mayor season continues at 9 a.m. at the Jocelyn Center, which is located at 73750 Catalina Way in Palm Desert. And then later the same day on Tuesday, October 4th, from 4 to 7 p.m., the Palm Desert Sheriff's Department deputies will host a national night out event at Desert Oasis Apartments, which is located at 77777 Country Club Drive. And that's a family-friendly event with safety information, children's activities, food trucks, and everyone is welcome. Uh, for those who don't live at the Desert Oasis Apartments, they're encouraged to park just outside the complex on Harris Lane. Then on October 6th, we're excited to have the return of concerts in the park which will be held every Thursday in October from 6 to 7.30 p.m. here at Civic Center Park. And the concerts kick off next Thursday, the 6th, with a performance by We Belong, a tribute to Pat Benatar and Neil Giraldo. And then lastly, on Saturday, October 8th, we're looking forward to Paint El Paseo Pink, which is an awareness and fundraising walk for breast cancer that benefits the Desert Cancer Foundation. Kickoff for that event is at 7.30 a.m. and the walk begins at 8 a.m. on El Paseo. So as always, for more city news, please visit cityofpalmdesert.org. And for event information on any of these that I've mentioned or upcoming events, visit discoverpalmdesert.com. Well, that was a lot. <laughs> Is there any anything more from the city manager? Not at this time. Thank you. Okay. Then we will now go to mayor and council member reports, reports and requests for action. Karina Quintanilla, please. Thank you very, uh, very much, Madam Mayor. Um, first thing I want to report is from the cultural preservation. Our objective was to set our goals in support of the 50th anniversary and trying to find out where we came from in, uh, in order to um, really assess where we're going. So that was a, a great discussion. And I had the, the um, regular wrap meeting. And so they were very thankful of the proclamation. They were very humbled by what we had to say and, and uh, the innovative or um, agreement that we have that is the only one in the nation. And then I was um, also invited to an economic development meeting regarding renewing that with Supervisor Perez and looking forward to the next 30 years after that happens. Um, and 
Also in regards to that, because we know that a lot of people started micro businesses or nonprofits during the pandemic, RAP also um, organizes the NPO, the nonprofit um, organization. So they have free space, they've got board meeting training, diversity training. So if you want to take your nonprofit to the next level, that's what RAP is there for. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, Council Member Nistandi, please. Not at this time, Mayor, thank you. Thank you so much. Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Uh, thank you, Mayor. Uh, in terms of uh, committee meetings that I attended, anything relevant to the public, um, I would report briefly on the CVAG Homelessness Committee. Uh, we got a very um, thorough update from Greg Rodriguez regarding the uh, CARE Act and its impact on the city of Palm Desert and the Coachella Valley. Um, this is a, uh, a non-elective program where counties are required to provide housing and resources, wraparound services, uh, to qualifying homeless individuals. Uh, we will see that happening in Riverside County, which is one of the, uh, it's in the first tranche of seven counties that will roll this program out. And, um, you know, the homelessness court uh, takes place in civil court, including um, the Superior Court in Indio. So this is a program that in the next uh, few months will directly impact our city and the entire Coachella Valley, hopefully in a very, very positive manner. Um, in terms of uh, requests for action, um, pursuant to City Ordinance 1371, I'd like to request that the following item be placed on the agenda for our second meeting in October, a review of options that our residents currently have for choosing carbon-free electrical power. Uh, this would include a presentation from Desert Community Energy, uh, providing updated information and historical data that we did not have three and a half years ago when we last addressed the subject, and would also include a discussion and recommendations about how to proceed. Thank you. I support that. I, I... Thank you. In that we are all aware that the majority has said that that was not something they want. What I would suggest that we do at this point is recommend putting it on the agenda and for a vote if the council chooses to have further review. Madam Mayor, um, ordinance 1371 is very clear on this point. If you need it, I don't know why you would object, um, but if you need it, you can get clarification from our legal counsel as well our city, as our city clerk, although I will advise you that I've already done that. When two or more council members want an item placed on the agenda, it will be done. That is our very own ordinance. There is no methodology for counteracting that or modifying the request. I've made my request very clear. It has been seconded by a second council member. Frankly, I don't believe you have authority or the ethical or moral right to modify that. Thank you. I, I see that our attorney has come online. Well, and, and we've been around on this. Um, you know, ultimately the majority rules, right? So, I mean, the mayor made a request to get something on the agenda. If there's a second to that, it could get on the agenda and then the majority could override you know, the, the current rule as it stands. I mean, there's all kinds of ways of going around it, uh, but I would suggest that we not have a, a, an in-depth conversation at this time that the appropriate thing to do would be to get it on the next agenda when we could 
you know, get into it in depth and the council can decide collectively uh, whether, how to interpret the old rule, whether they want to follow the old rule, how they want to move forward in a situation where, you know, majority is not inclined to go that way. And let's just have, let's put it on the agenda and have a full discussion and, and see where it goes. And I, may I ask, please, um, what is it exactly you're suggesting that go on the agenda? Well, thank you, Mara. No, I appreciate I'm, I'm, no, I'm not asking you. I was asking the attorney. Thank you. I would say um, it essentially the same item we had last time, which is, uh, you know, how to move forward on a request to have a discussion regarding DCE and electric rates in general, uh, given the fact that- No, that is not accurate. That's not the request that was made. That's not the request that was seconded by a second council member. Can I clarify, Mayor? Well, there are other people before you who now are choosing to speak, unfortunately. I get that, but I wanna make it clear what's on the table here. We're not addressing opting into DCE. And we're certainly not discussing the procedure. The procedure in ordinance 1371 is very clear. When a council member requests an item to be placed on the agenda, it shall be done if seconded by one or more other council members. I made a request, it was seconded. I completely do not understand why there's even any misunderstanding or room for interpretation. Our ordinance is so black and white I can put it up on the screen if you want me to. Thank you. Um, council member Nestandi. Thank you, Mayor. And um, uh, council member Jonathan, you and I have been serving together for six years and we, we uh, had, uh, had a great relationship, a respectful relationship, but I respectfully uh, disagree unless I've been given misinformation. I've had a conversation with the city attorney and the city manager and have been told, and I'll speak just plain language, not legalese, that just because in the past, two people could call an item up and then it would go on the agenda. I've also been told three people can say no to that. And so uh, Mr. Hargreaves, am I wrong in that interpretation that you would discussed if three people say no, they don't want an item on the agenda, it, that can be the case? Is that yes or no? Um, as always, you know, it's complicated, right? The, the process as we currently have in place as two people put it on the agenda, at that time, the idea that three people could take it off wasn't explicitly part of it. Now, I mean, it's, it's a council rule. There's other things in the council rules that say, ultimately the mayor decides, you know, if, if there's a question about the council rules and how to be interpreted and how to be applied, it goes to the mayor, not the city attorney. Uh, the mayor decides, and if people don't like the mayor's decision, then it goes to the majority of the council. So that's, I mean, there's all kinds of ways to, to parse it and get around it. But what I would suggest- Wait, excuse me. Can you please take your screen down? You do not have the right to do that. Please take your screen down immediately, Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Where do you find that I don't have the authority to you do that? You do not have the authority. From where? What, why are you resistant to looking at our very Would own Would you please ordinance? take your no. screen down? Absolutely not. 
please take your screen down. That is a request of the mayor. Not every, we can't have everybody putting screens up at their whim. No, you and can't. You can have council please. members. You can have, have council members do it. Of privilege. You did no, not. No, thank you. Yes, uh, Kathleen Kelly, please. I'd like to see if I can quickly get us back to the business of the city. Thank you. It's just been emphasized to us that the mayor's rulings on points of order are dispositive unless overruled by the majority. The mayor has ruled that what's appropriate in regard to this particular request because of the history is a preliminary agenda item to see if the majority of the council wants to get into the substance. That was her ruling. So uh, that finishes this discussion unless a majority of the council want to overrule her. Someone's free to make that motion, uh, but it's going to fail. So I think civility warrants respecting the mayor's determination. You'll have your chance, Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan, at the next meeting to urge upon us uh, that we should look at the substantive questions you want to look at. Let's accept that as the time to continue this conversation and get to the notice business for tonight. Thank you. Um, this has turned into a complete discussion and is not on the agenda. This is not a discussion we should have without having been noticed. And now we're all talking and even putting things on the screen. It is an inappropriate way to represent the people. And actually there was a vote with a majority last week that said no. And that was the prevailing vote so only those on the prevailing side of a vote can bring something back to an agenda. And that's how we're going to go forward. This is not time for discussion. It is not agendized. So we are going to move. Everyone has a- I'm sorry, a point of order. Um, I don't understand this creative interpretation of our very own rules of procedure. Mr. Hargreaves, I'm sorry, I'm gonna ask you to substantiate your interpretation of any form of latitude. Our ordinance 1371 in black and white states that any council member may request an item to be placed on the agenda. And if a second council member joins in that request, then it shall be so. I don't see any wiggle room there. And with respect, Madam Mayor, this is a part of our agenda. It's a request for action. This is where a request is made under 1371. And until we resolve it properly, I don't see that we should be putting this council and this city in jeopardy 
are violating our very own rules of order just because some council members may have a predisposed opposition to what they think they will hear at that meeting. This is not a repeated request for opting into DCE or any subject matter that has been addressed. If you listened to my request, it is simply a request for a review of options that our residents currently have for choosing carbon-free electrical power. Hey, Mr. Hargreaves, this is not where is there notice. any room for interpretation about our very own ordinance? There's been a request made pursuant to ordinance 1371. It's been seconded by an additional council member. How can we possibly vary from that very simple procedure enumerated in 1371? Mr. Hargreaves? Well, once again, uh, I'll repeat what I tried to get across last time, which is Given a request like that, where a majority isn't inclined, let's say, to go that way, it, it would be in my- What, what does that mean? A majority is inclined. You mean they don't want that item on the uh, agenda? Uh, why don't you let me finish and then you can come back, all right? No, no, but I'm asking. It, okay. It, I mean, it's clear that the majority doesn't want to go that way, however you want to word it, but the majority can put on an agenda, an item to have a full discussion about whether or not that discussion will go forward. That's all I'm saying. If that's where the majority wants to go, I mean, one way or another, the majority gets to rule, right? And if that's the way they want to go, then that's the way it can go, right? So on a publicly noticed manner, matter, of course, the council votes and the majority rules. But Ordinance 1371 doesn't address a predisposition towards a council vote, Mr. Hargreaves. The majority does not have the right to rule on whether an item will be placed on the agenda. 1371 says very specifically that it's only two members that can request and have an item placed on the agenda. I don't understand, and I'm asking you again, I'm not sure if you heard my question, to substantiate and document your interpretation where we can vary from 1371. Okay, in my opinion, I've answered your question twice. You're not understanding my answer. I'm gonna leave it at that, right? Apparently the majority understands, so. I don't, listen, I've worked you with you for listen. quite a number okay. of years and I don't really appreciate that attitude. I, I'd prefer to keep this professional. I've right. asked you, and I'm, I'm not sure if I'm not expressing it properly, to document your interpretation that the majority can override 1371. Can you do that here tonight? Can you document your interpretation? Do you want me to point to a rule? I will say that the other council members have the ability to stick something on the agenda, basically to preempt what you've done, if that's the way um, you wanna slice it and dice it. Okay, I, I don't know where, where to go from here because I certainly don't wanna file a complaint and put our city in a position of embarrassment, I would appeal to my colleagues on council and I try to put up the ordinance itself so that we can be enlightened with facts as to what 1371 says. I would appeal to my colleagues to let the matter be heard. If not, I, I, you know, I think that we're failing to follow our very own procedures set forth in 1371. We're prejudging what will be reported and we're prejudging what our conclusions will be without shining the light of day and giving the public an opportunity to provide input. 
So my request pursuant to 1371 with a second from another council member stands on record. Mayor, what you choose to do with that is at your own risk. Thank you. Well, that sounded vaguely like a threat. Um, Karina Quintanilla, please. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I would just like to um, have a little bit of a refresher about what we said at the last meeting because it did become a discussion and you stated that it was not the time because it needed to be brought up at the very beginning of the meeting during the council member request. So I think we are back to that point where the requests are being made. And if we need to move forward, then I would motion that we revise our own ordinances to make it clear that at this point, do we need three members to support, which at that point would be completely illegal. So I think that we need to adhere to our own standards. We need to adhere to our own rules and perhaps maybe it does need to be clarified. So I, I think that we need to respect our own rules. That's all that we're asking. And we're asking that at the last meeting, we were told that this needed to be asked at this portion of the meeting. So the ping ponging of who's gonna do what at what time, this is not it. Council Member Kelly. Gosh, I really never expected to experience this dinner on this council. Um, I just heard Mr. Hargraves explain that if you want to be exceedingly technical, rather than just respecting the will of the majority, that one of us in the majority could make a request to include as an agenda item on the next meeting, the topic of whether to get into the substance of your request at the last meeting of October. In other words, one of us could request to have the discussion that the mayor has already ruled we should have about whether to proceed with your agenda request or in respect for the history to not do so. So I make that request. I request that we include on the next agenda the topic that the mayor identified, a preliminary conversation about whether to proceed with your substantive agenda item. And hopefully there will be a second person who will say, yes, let's do what the mayor ruled we should do some moments ago. I suppose, Mr. Hargraves, we could say since the mayor has already ruled that should happen, she's the second person. And I will provide a second since that has been the discussion. So now we, we can go round and round. I would recommend that we no further discuss this. It was not noticed. You'll have it on the agenda and then we'll have the other one on the agenda. This specific item was not noticed and there has been a full, and I might add a robust discussion on it, which is not right. The public does have the right to know 
if there will be a discussion on a specific issue. And there is no way, shape or form that by looking at this agenda, that our public, our community members would know that that was gonna be on the agenda. So we're going to move on and we have- uh, Point of order, Madam Mayor, um, in terms of procedure, um, I won't address that it wasn't on the agenda because clearly it was, that's what the request for action item on the agenda is, is to request uh, items to be added to future agendas. But um, again, if you would have read ordinance 1371, which was up on screen share, you'll see that when there is a request for an item to be added to the agenda, it should only be um, added to a meeting, two meetings hence, you cannot add it to the next meeting. So the motion as stands is invalid in terms of our own procedure. Uh, I think the I, earliest it can be heard would be the second meeting in October. Our city clerk has his hand up. Madam Mayor, Madam Mayor, for, for clarification and I apologize for jumping in, but I do want to be clear on the ordinance. It says the item will normally be heard no sooner than the second meeting. I would say that this is not a normal situation. Thank you for your input. Then I'll amend my request for action that it also be placed on the next meeting. Might as well take care of both of items. Thank you. Second. Thank you. Uh, is there more discussion on an item that it, you can, please, please think about this. Please be respectful of our community members, of the people who may be watching. And what it says is an agendized item, and it's a specific item. This has gotten a full discussion on an item that is not listed. No one could have known from the public that this would be discussed. No one could have possibly known. So that is the point of agendizing items, is to alert the public. This has now turned into a tremendous discussion without having alerted the public to this specific subject matter. Now, in respect of the public, we will move on. Thank you. That's what I was trying to do, Madam Mayor. I motion to move on to um, continue with the action calendar, but I would, however, like to pull item B and item okay. E. That's very kind of you, but we're not going to the action. We have to first go to consent. My apologies, the consent calendar, excuse me, the okay, consent calendar. There is no need for a motion. And I would like to make some comments. Thank you. Under council member comments. And I, I, want I didn't get a turn yet either, just so you know. Okay, and, and I apologize, council member Kelly. Oh, you, you can go first if you like. No, no, mayor always goes last, that's the, that's the rule. Uh, I have some happy things to talk about. Okay. Uh, the first is we had our sunlight and transit uh, board meeting this week. I'm happy to report that the sunrise system, which is right on call, is now fully operative in the quadrant between Cook and Monterey, Dinah Shore, and Highway 111. 
that's a huge quadrant uh, that encompasses much of our North Sphere housing, as well as the prospective sites uh, for our uh, regional park and neighborhood park. Uh, so this is for the time a trial program, but I encourage people to go to the Sunlight website to access Sunrise and uh, to utilize that system so that it can be improved and refined. This is on call, on demand, and it's part of our regional transit agency's uh, mission to supplement traditional bus routes uh, with additional modes of transportation to fully meet our needs. Uh, secondly, I just want to congratulate our Palm Desert Area Chamber of Commerce for a superb uh, business awards dinner. I want to congratulate all of the award recipients, uh, particularly our own uh, Clayton Fund Health, without whom we wouldn't be looking at each other right now. Uh, since he has labored hard and his department has labored hard through the pandemic to keep us functioning at the highest possible level. So uh, thank you to Clay and his department and thank you to the chamber. Thank you for your comments. I just have a couple of items. The free concert October 6th that we heard Thomas Sowell mention is also an opportunity to raise funds for FIND Food Bank. So you'll have, FIND will be there and able to take donations for such an important cause. Additionally, it looks like, fingers crossed, we may be back live and in our council chambers on October 27th. It's just fingers crossed. Uh, you know, we've had supply chains issues, we've had other issues, we're just hoping for the best that we can go back live and welcome the public back into the council chambers. The other thing I wanted to mention is that a little bit more information on the train, the CV rail. And please, if anyone watching would like to help us do something very constructive, and that is getting a train to the Coachella Valley, which will help so many people for so many different reasons, to go on the Riverside County Transportation Commission's website and put your name down there. So you can show your support for such an important, um, it'll be a, a milestone. We are moving on this like we have never had uh, motion on the rail. So please sign up, put your name there and help the effort. And as everyone knows, it's kind of seasons back. We have lots of meetings, lots of items, and I will spare everyone uh, my cliff notes from my meetings. So from there, we will move to any non-agendized public comment, comment. So is there anybody from the public who would like to speak to any non-agendized items? And Madam Mayor, if I could do the housekeeping remarks. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for reminding me. 
Thank you. For those on Zoom, if you want to participate in public comment, please click on the raise hand button on your computer or smartphone. If you're joining the meeting by calling in on your phone, please dial star nine to raise your hand and when called upon, press star six to unmute yourself. Please keep your comments to no more than three minutes and begin by stating your full name for the record. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so now we will move on. And these, these are for items that are not on the agenda. And if you choose to speak, we are unable to have a conversation regarding these due to Brown Act um, the Brown Act, and please limit your comments to three minutes or left, less. And I do see Dorian up uh, with his hand up, please. Hello again, um, Dorian Whitney here to ask for more traffic safety and pedestrian safety. Many cities are giving their streets road diets, and I realize a road diet on the 111 going through our city can be a beautiful way to make it a safer corridor by returning those lanes to landscaping and everyone can enjoy it and feel safe. As somebody who travels and visits other cities, it is shocking to me that we still have a whopping three lanes of highway on each side on the 111 right in the heart of our city, when it is just unnecessary here and people have died. I honestly believe we will never truly have a need for the third lane on each side, no matter how big the city grows. Cities as big as Los Angeles has mostly two lane roads and a few, the few that are three lanes, they close off the third lane for parking for most of the day. But returning our extra lanes back to landscaping or a bus only lane or anything else really would make it a much safer street for both pedestrians and drivers. Palm Desert can show that we care more about the people actually living here, walking here and their safety rather than vehicles passing through us from La Quinta to Palm Springs. And right now the conditions of our roads say that we care more about the people passing through than the people living here. This is just wrong. The third lane promotes speeding. Indian Wells has a great example of a beautiful two lane road and it works just fine. Cathedral City has reduced lanes, Palm Springs, Indio and Coachella. We are the only ones that have it as three lanes the entire way along with Rancho Mirage and La Quinta. The third lanes were just made for extra convenience to pass people who are going the speed limit. Please consider a road diet on our section of the 111, as well as Fred Waring Drive, where I used to live, and many other parts that have three lanes of road in our city. Please and thank you. Thank you, Mr. Whitney. Uh, are there any other comments on uh, non-agendized items? Okay, I see, wait, I have, oh, that's uh, Mr. Whitney's hand. Okay, is there anyone else who would like to speak? Okay, seeing no one, we will now move to the consent calendar. And all matters listed on the consent calendar are considered routine and may be approved by one motion. The public may comment on any items on the consent agenda within the three minute time limit. 
individual items may be removed by the city council for a separate discussion. Now, is there anyone from the public who would like to comment on any of the items on the consent calendar? And I see no one. So are, the, are there any um, items from the consent calendar that the council would like to pull? I would like to pull item uh, A and item E, Madam Mayor. Okay. Item A, and I'm sorry, did you say E? Yes, E as in Edward. Okay, thank you. Are there any other items that anyone would like to pull? Okay, so uh, I'll entertain a motion to move the balance. I make a motion to move the balance on the consent items. And is there a second? Second. Thank you. Can we have a roll call vote, please? Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan? Aye. Councilmember Kelly? Yes. Councilmember Nestandi? Yes. Councilmember Quintanilla? Aye. Mayor Harding? Yes, with I'd like to register an abstention on C2. May I address the items pulled or is there another process? I don't want to hold up the city's business. Um, well, can we have a result on that vote? Oh, yes. Motion passed five to zero with uh, your abstention on item two or uh, C2. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, 1A, please. Council Member Quintanilla. Thank you. I would like to um, revise the um, minutes from the previous meeting under section uh, the action calendar B. I would I think it is an, an, an effort to have transparency given the heated discussions we've been having to include that there has been direction um, from Mayor Pro Tem and supported that we have further discussion or further clarification from our clerk and our council so that these items can be reflected in, in future meetings. You know, uh, for clarity, can you, I, I, I'm a little unclear. Can you help me out with this? Sure. We have the different items. If you look at, I believe it's in the, um, in the revised one, we see page 1A16, and that will show action calendar. At the bottom, you'll see B. The following page on 1A17, we have the um, discussions or following discussion, motion by Council Member Nestande, second by Council Member Kelly, carried three to two. I think either in that session or the, the section above, we should clarify that there has been a request for action following um, the direction of Mayor Pro Tem to seek further clarification of our city clerk and city council, or the, our legal council. Is that ap appropriate there? It, it's not that we do a, a, a moment by moment if it's appropriate, I, I am absolutely fine, but it's not that we do a, obviously, if we look at these minutes, uh, we, don't, we do not show every discuss, every part of the discussion. Uh, if there is a follow-up with a request for action from staff, I, I think that goes in there. Was, was, was there one that was uh, supported? Supported? 
if there's a direction, I mean, that's the same kind of thing. It was pushed on. If we needed to, the request was made. That can't be reflected. These are um, the. These are not in-depth me- minutes. You could, but it was it was voted down, and that's accurately what is reflected here. Again, in the spirit of clarity for future councils that may look that may look back and wonder how we got to these situations, I think that that would behoove the city to be able to go back and ask the then clerk to go back and look at these meetings and find out what the issue was. And and you are well aware that the entirety of these meetings are archived every last second. In case of a server crash, just saying, if we don't have access to those videos in the future. We keep them in two places. <laughs> There's, there is ample opportunity. Uh, if, if the, I, I would turn to, and I apologize for hurting you in what may be a somewhat awkward position, I would turn to our city clerk to see if that is appropriate given the type of minutes we're taking. Certainly. So, so the council did adopt a resolution uh, citing that action minutes would be the official minutes for the city of Palm Desert. Um, the the kind of statement, well, I don't have any objection, it's really minor. Um, you know, the fact that a council member seek clarification from staff would not normally be inserted in minutes, particularly for action minutes. But again, it's it's ultimately the council's set of minutes and you can all decide if you want that inserted. Well, does somebody want to make a motion on this? I'm- I'm sorry, I've had my hand up for a while. Oh. I'm not sure if the mayor has seen it. Oh, I, I see it, but I was asking the, the clerk something. Uh, yes, uh, Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Yeah, I spoke up because another council member jumped in. I just wanted to make sure you saw me in the queue. Thank you. You know what? Um, Let's work on our civility a little. That was kind I'm sorry? of nasty. That was, that was uncivil. We don't need to be like that to each other. I you know, I don't know why everybody's throwing darts tonight, but why don't we just kind of take it down a notch, Mayor? Right? Let's just focus on the business uh, and you know the what? process. That's an so, what I was going to say, what I was going to say before I was interrupted, um, was that we seem to have moved on to quite a bit of discussion. Um, so, I'm going to take liberty of weighing in on this. Um, there's been a request made, uh, if that was uh, to add to the minutes. Uh, I think this council should air on the side of transparency. Uh, it's an innocuous request. <laughs> Again, I don't see why there's so much objection to this area, um, but I would, if that was a motion, a council member Quintanilla, I would second it. That is a motion indeed. Thank you very much. I, I'm not sure there was any objection, uh, but I will ask council member Kelly, please, you wish to speak? Sure. Uh, could I just have clarity about what you'd like to include? Because I'd like to support you so we can have a kumbaya moment. Uh, but I just want to know exactly what it is you'd like to include. Very simple language. Very simple language that during the discussion, Mayor Pro Tem and another council member sought clarification from legal counsel and the city clerk. It's not requesting any action. It's just saying we were asking for follow-up. That's it. That's all. Then we have a, a motion and a second. Can we have a vote, please? Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Aye. Council Member Kelly. 
Yes. Council Member Nistandi. Yes. Council Member Quintanilla. Aye. Mayor Harding. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Thank you. Okay, so let's move to E, approve the purchase of Anza Borrego by artist Christopher Puzio from the 2021-2022 Alpha Sale Sculpture Exhibition in the amount of 25,000. Who will be presenting on this? Hi, Amy Lawrence, Special Programs Manager. I'm happy to answer any questions you have. Councilmember Quintanilla. Thank you, Ms. Lawrence. My question is in regards to our own process. Um, during the, the um, Arts Committee, we were discussing what's already in-house and what could be moved and what could go there. But I'm wondering, is it ethical on our behalf to not have um, the ability to see the new submissions? When we were doing the submissions or the request for um, roundabout one and roundabout two, people had submitted things and things were excluded because they did not meet certain requirements. And we were originally told that nothing could possibly go in roundabout three. Instead of saying we want Anza Borrego and repeatedly I, I heard because we can get it, it's, it's more affordable if we get it now. It may be more expensive later. And to me, that feels like an impulse purchase and not um, a proper way to honor all of the people that have submitted requests before that were excluded. So I would like to see this delayed so that we can have a chance for the staff and the committee can go back and see all of the other things that were um, excluded. This is a chance for, as we've mentioned before, the roundabouts are a good place for artists to begin. Um, and I think that there, there are things that are more indicative of, of our city's beauty than that particular item. But I really am concerned with us following our own procedures. If I can just um, ask for clarification, are you talking about the 200 proposals that were submitted for the other two roundabouts? Going yes, back correct. and looking at those. Um, I just wanna explain that those proposals, those sculptures were for the phase one roundabout, which um, was at a larger scale. And the third roundabout at Magnesia Falls and San Pablo only has a very minimal area that can be used. So looking at those past 200 proposals would not be conducive for a sculpture the size we're looking for for Magnesia Falls. And Magnesia Falls was brought up because the Cultural Arts Committee at one time had asked if we could put a sculpture in that um, roundabout. And we understood that we could not. However, I spoke with our Deputy Director of Public Works. We spoke with our traffic engineer. And they said that that smaller sculpture would be conducive for that area given the line of sight. So well, additionally, additionally, what I'm wondering is out of those 200, some of them were excluded automatically. Some of them were too big, too small, too, et cetera. Are there any that could be viewed that may fit those parameters given the new opportunity? I can go back and take a look at those 200 proposals that were submitted. Um, I think it was maybe about a year and a half ago. I was actually not in those meetings. Deborah Glickman was do, uh, doing the review at that time. So I'd be happy to go back and take a look and see if any of those um, sculptures of the 200 proposals would potentially fit in that location. And um, if that's the direction, I'd be happy to do that. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And again, you could I'm sure sort from what the excluding factors may be instead of going one by one through all 200. Thank you. Okay, are there any other comments or questions? I see Mayor Pro Tem has a hand up. Please. Thank you. 
Um, question. Uh, good evening, Ms. Lawrence. How are you? Good. How are you? <laughs> I've been better, but I'm okay. <laughs> um, hey, so um, normally, I mean, if we're going to like buy a piece of art, we're going to put it out for proposals and look at all the off, you know, the, the, the proposals and, and grow through our committee and pick one out. So what council member um, Quintanilla brings up kind of resonates with me. Is there, I mean, can we do that this time, whether we go back to those 200 or we just put out a new kind of RFP thing? Uh, it seems a little awkward to just kind of say, oh, this we had this one in the closet, let's put it there. Um, so is, is that an option for us? It's just to do our what I think is our normal process. We can come up with a separate RFP for that location, now knowing that we can uh, place a lower profile sculpture in that location. Uh, again, the, the 200 proposals from before, I'm not sure how many of those would work for this location we're looking at now. Um, this was brought up because the Cultural Arts Committee, um, they were looking at two separate sculptures from the El Paseo Sculpture Exhibition that they wanted to um, uh, potentially purchase um, for installation. And they selected one of them. They asked staff if you can find another location for this other one that they really wanted to purchase. And that was when we found that location. So that's, you know, we are, we do occasionally purchase sculptures from the El Paseo Sculpture Exhibition. Sometimes we purchase one, sometimes we purchase two, we find different locations. So that doesn't necessarily require an RFP because it's coming from our exhibition. And it also incentivizes artists for joining the exhibition, knowing that their work can be sold during the exhibition. However, if it is the council's preference, I'd be happy to um, look at opening an RFP just for that roundabout. Um, for sculptures coming in at a lower profile than for the other two roundabouts, phase one and phase two, which is by COD. And then of course, phase one by um, uh, San Gorgonio. Thank you. Well, I, I would leave it up to, to my colleague, council member Quintanilla, how, how you wanna proceed. Either we go back to those 200, see which ones fit, or we do a new RFP, but I concur that just kind of, you know, putting this one may be a little bit limiting and a little bit unusual. Thank you. I that's that's the the concern or or my reason for bringing it forward. Yes, that was already part of the collection on El Paseo, but we are potentially depriving somebody else in being a future round of of El Paseo or maybe hold off until we do the next round of the next round for for the new submissions for the El Paseo um, um, collection and then choose from there and have different dimensions that would suit both. But as as uh, my colleague put it, just because it's in the closet or because it's available to me, that doesn't seem like a justifiable reason to, to deprive somebody the opportunity to place their sculpture there. Council member uh, Kelly, please. Yes, and after I speak, I see Eric say uh, has his hand up, so he may have help from um, Thank you. Uh, for us, I had two questions. Uh, one is, if we don't purchase this now, will we lose our ability to purchase it? Is there anything time sensitive about the purchase? Because I do want to respect the commission's identification of this as a part of the El Paseo ex ex exhibition. Uh, which they were eager uh, to purchase. Um, so that's my first question. 
So as the El Paseo exhibition is coming to a close, that, that sculpture in particular is scheduled to be removed on October 13th. The artist is based out of San Diego and he was going to pick it up and take it to Florida. He was actually going to, it's gonna be moved to Florida at that time. And so it is sort of time sensitive if we wanted this particular piece, because we would need to let the artist know that the city is going to purchase it before he deinstalls it on October 13th. Um, however, I understand that's not a reason to rush into, you know, purchasing the sculpture, but there is a time sensitive nature for this one particular sculpture, given he already has a location for it and the city doesn't have another location to store it while we decide if we want to put it in the roundabout or not. Oh, that was going to be my second question. Uh, and just to be clear, my second question was going to be, do we have the option of purchasing it uh, and keeping it while the inquiry has been suggested unfolds and I'm hearing you say no that we don't have that option. Anyone have a big yard? <laughs> My understanding at this at this time and please correct me if I'm wrong is that um, well first of all you know we could potentially purchase it and store it at the courtyard. However I think the item, the 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 question at hand is, do we want to purchase it and install it in this location in the roundabout at Magnesia Falls? Or are we are we looking at something along the lines of opening another RFP um, for sculptures uh, to be, you know, uh, looked at, looked over and considered for that particular roundabout versus purchasing this from our current El Paseo exhibition that's coming to a close and moving it over as we've typically we've done this in the past I think two years ago we purchased two sculptures versus one so it's not you know it's not out of the you know occasion that we would purchase two sculptures but we've already purchased one this would be the second one we purchased from this roundabout or from this I'm sorry exhibition <laughs> okay thank you and um, Council Member Nisnandi, I see your hand up. Um, Mr. Seha, did you have something that you wanted to add to this conversation? Um, I, I, I'm glad Amy was able to uh, mention kind of the process with the Cultural Arts Commission and, and the El Paseo exhibit. Uh, my comments are going to be reserved more if there's direction regarding an RFP or looking at those 200 uh, submissions from the past. You know, those 200 submissions, there's been a length of time uh, since those were submitted. And the parameters and constraints around that third roundabout are different than the other two. And so if the city council is leaning towards um, a, new, a different direction, I would recommend that we actually, if we were to go there, the R, we release a different RFP rather than go through those other 200 applications. Okay, thank you. Okay, council member Nestandi, please. Yes, I was gonna say um, the option of us just purchasing it and then storing it at the yard then where would it ultimately go? Do, does the city have other locations? I don't want to waste $25,000 and then put this beautiful sculpture in the yard. That doesn't seem right either. So in my opinion, we either decide to move forward with it or go out for an RFP, but not to purchase it and store it at the yard. And I'm open-minded. 
If, if I can mention one more thing is that um, this sculpture would normally be quite a bit more than $25,000. Um, that is our budget for purchasing sculptures from the exhibition. So the artist was able to bring that um, the sculpture price down for us if we did want to purchase it. So if we did put together an RFP for that specific location, I'd have to work with our public work staff and our traffic engineer to find out um, what parameters of a sculpture would need to be and then we would probably have to raise the price because if we look at this uh, price of the sculpture on phase one of San Pablo that was 125,000 to start and then of course the material uh, we had to do an amendment because the material costs went up so again the um, phase one sculpture was 125,000 this is a $25,000 sculpture that we're looking at for Magnesia Falls so we would probably come back if that was uh, council's request um, with uh, a request to put out an RFP for a different amount. It would probably be a higher cost for a sculpture in that area. Yeah, are you, Amy, are you saying it would most likely be about 100,000 or so? I don't think it would be 100,000. I would probably say maybe we'd want to go somewhere in the area of 50,000 because the sculpture that is being offered to us tonight at 25,000, um, I think he had it listed for, you know, at least $60,000. So we would want to look in the area of $50,000 um, for that roundabout. Yeah, this is something to consider my fellow council members. Okay. Um, council member Quintanilla, please. Thank you, Madam Mayor. The point of bringing it up is that originally we were told nothing's going to go there. And I think that now as we are looking at the fact that we are, there's no rush. We were already told it's not going to happen. Um, if the artist had nowhere else to go and had no possibility of making money, and then we would say we're in consideration of the artist and the financial need. But if the artist already has somewhere else that it wanted to go, how are we to deprive that council of what they had chosen for maybe their perfect location that represents their community? So I, I think that the consideration that we have for what we already have and the artist's needs are very different than the needs of our city to place it in an area that we were told nothing was going to be. So I don't think that we need to rush into something when we only learned it was possible to even put something in the roundabout. Uh, Council Member Kelly, please. Well, everything you said makes sense, Council Member Quintanilla. Uh, but I think I'm going to come to the opposite conclusion. There's no perfect outcome here. A perfect outcome would have included a competitive process, and we didn't have a competitive process. But sometimes you just have to grab a great opportunity, and I'm hearing we have an opportunity to grab a great piece of art at a very economical price. What's determinative for me here is really honoring uh, the work of the city committee that thought about this and had an exhaustive conversation because I know it's a committee that is usually very, very attentive to process. And um, if the cultural arts committee is telling me that they find this piece of art sufficiently compelling, that they want us to buy it, that's where I come out. Let's back them up. Uh, so I will move to uphold staff's recommendation. 
And we have a motion. So for further I'll, discussion, is there a second? I'll second the motion. Thank you. We have a motion and a second. I see uh, Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan's hand is up. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, I actually have a suggestion for your consideration that might result in us coming together on a compromise that checks off all the boxes. Uh, the concerns that Councilmember Quintanilla brought up, which is transparency, the concern that Councilmember Kelly brought up, which is honoring our Cultural Arts Commission, and the concern that Councilmember Nastani brought up, which is cost. Here's my suggestion. We do, all, we do both. Uh, we go ahead and go through an RFP for that particular roundabout, but sensing that there's a bargain to be had here, we purchase that piece of art and store it. And the reason I'm not concerned about where it will go is we've got, as we sit here, a, a significant part of our city under construction and unfolding before us. I am confident that we will have, find a home for that beautiful piece of art at some point in the very near future. So uh, my alternative suggestion for a modified motion or a substitute motion uh, is that we do both, that we engage in an RFP for that specific roundabout and that we purchase that piece of art and store it until we find a home for it. Councilmember Quintanilla, please. I, I support the substitute motion. I agree that as we talk about um, developing the North Sphere, we're talking about parks, that could be a, a great piece for it there. So I, I think that we have the opportunity to buy something swiftly on a, on the budget that's allotted and then looking at the future, then going through, we have to be ethical. We have to follow our own rules. And yes, it's already part of the collection, but that collection did not take into consideration where that part could be. So I, I think that a mayor pro tem does bring a, a, a solution where we have a Venn diagram of options. Okay, are there any other comments or questions? Okay, um, I, I want to say that through the years, the Cultural Arts Committee or the Public Arts as it was then called, have often opted to buy a piece of art from the El Paseo exhibition. This is nothing unusual, unique, or unethical. And then we find a place within the city to put it. This, I see the Cultural Arts Committee recommended the purchase of this for our permanent art collection. And I think there's no reason why we wouldn't purchase it. This is uh, done so, has been done so many times in this fashion that it has created precedent. And there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, they, the artist went through quite a bit to even be part of the El Paseo exhibition. I think it's a wonderful piece of art. Looking at the pictures, uh, I can see why the Arts Commission decided to cause that to be the piece they purchase. Uh, and we have always had a standard where we've looked around. I love the idea of the university area of finding something if we don't use that on the roundabout, I think it would be fine on the roundabout. But if it's not used there, perhaps we find something in the university area. So I, I like the idea of purchasing it. 
And if we want to hold it, I, you know, I am not the person who always wants to go out for an RFP because they are expensive and it does consume staff time. And it seems that they really found a great solution here for that piece of art. Uh, but if the uh, council wants to buy it, hold it, and then go out for RFP, I can support that. So we have a motion and a second. Yes, um, Council Member Kelly, please. Uh, I didn't hear. It is appealing. And uh, thank you for stretching your imagination, Mayor Pro Tem. But I didn't hear that the city really feels we have a great place to store this. Uh, so, I, yeah, I'm seeing some broad brows. Uh, so, uh, while I appreciate the effort, I will be inclined to vote no on the substitute motion and yes on the original motion. There, there is no ethical or ordinance standard that requires an RFP in all circumstances. So I don't think there's anything unethical about this or staff would have uh, pulled the plug before it got to us. Okay, thank you. We have two motions and we must take the, su the substitute motion first. Am I right on that? Okay. You are correct. Okay, so um, let's go ahead and do that. And for clarity, this is on the substitute motion to purchase, store, and go out to RFP. Uh, Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. Uh, no. Councilmember Nistandi. No. Councilmember Quintanilla. Aye. Mayor Harnett. No. Motion fails three to two. Thank you and so much. Do you oh, want to no. immediately proceed to the next motion? Yes, please. Okay. Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. May. Councilmember Kelly? Yes. Councilmember Nistandi? Yes. Councilmember Quintanilla? Nay. Mayor Harding? Yes. Motion passes three to two. Thank you so much. Okay, we will now. Mayor, Mayor could we have a 10 minute comfort break? Absolutely. So uh, my clock shows 536. Could we be back at 546? Perfect. Thank you so much. It is 5.46. Do we have everybody ready to go? It looks like it. Okay, we just concluded our consent items held over. We'll move to the action calendar uh, to 2A. Introduce an ordinance amending Title II administration and personnel of the Palm Desert Municipal Code, adding chapter 2.22, establishing the Architectural Review Commission. And who will be providing that report for us? Hello, Madam Mayor and members of the City Council, Rosie Lua, Planning Manager. Before you today is an ordinance amendment 
establishing the Architecture Review Commission, or better known as the ARC, as a commission. Just to give you a bit of history, since the inception of the city, um, to 2012, the commission consisted of various names. However, um, the, it was between five and seven members, and the main charge of the ARC was to focus on architecture. In 2012, the ARC absorbed the Landscape Beautification Committee, allowing for nine members. And at that time, the purpose of the ARC was to review building architecture and landscape design of commercial office, industrial, and residential development. And that is today's purpose as well. Um, somehow in 2013, when there was a municipal code update, the ARC bylaws were removed from the code. However, there was authority for ARC within the municipal code. So um, we believe that this removal was in error and hence why we are here today. So in efforts to reestablish the uh, ARC, staff met with the committee um, and commissions subcommittee um, and had uh, just discussions on the composition of membership as well as other bylaws for the ARC. And there was a recommendation uh, from that subcommittee to have a commission of seven members. So today staff's recommendation uh, for this ordinance is highlighted here for chapter uh, 2.2, which would be added onto the municipal code. And this is a section of the ordinance for membership. So the ARC shall consist of seven regular members. And at all time, the commission shall strive to maintain a membership composition that includes the following professionals. And that is three architects and at least one uh, landscape architect and designer. Um, and that is what we have today. We have at least three members that are architects and one recently appointed member that is a professional in the landscape architect designer. We also included some flexibility uh, for additional membership composition professionals, and that is including um, someone from the development industry professional, which we have one currently, and a member of the public who represents a community at large and that has knowledge of design, landscape, and architecture. And we currently also have one member. We added a non-resident with a professional uh, expertise as an architect and landscape architect designer, just so that the uh, council could have more flexibility. For example, if someone was um, you know, a, a, an architect that had their business here in the city of Palm Desert or conducted lots of business here, to have that flexibility to include them as part of our membership. Um, you will see the red lines here. These red lines are here are um, corrections that will be made to the ordinance and that will be done prior to the adoption of this ordinance if it's approved today. With that, uh, staff is recommending the uh, approval of this ordinance to Title II. Again, it's adding a chapter 2.2, establishing the Architecture Review Commission as a commission. Uh, within our ordinance. And that concludes my staff report. I will answer any questions if the council has any for me. Thank you. I appreciate your uh, report. I first am going to go to if 
there are any public comments on this, uh, this would be the time to provide those. And I see none. So we'll go to council for questions. Uh, Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan, please. Thank you, Mayor. So um, Ms. Lua, good evening. Good evening. Um, good evening. I, um, didn't see it in your staff report, but I seem to recall that the commission itself has weighed in on its future. What what was their request or recommendation? So their request was initially to have five members, um, and and they believe that with a membership of five, um, that business could be conducted a little quicker. Um, we have discussed this during our ARC meetings um, with adding on um, you know, our landscape architect, which has brought in, even in those two meetings, um, some additional um, professional expertise. So um, again, we have discussed the five members. Um, however, they do acknowledge that bringing in a landscape architect does uh, bring in um, some good expertise to our commission. Okay, thank you. And I, I note that your initial recommendation to the subcommittee was to comply with that request and reduce the number to five. And what is the intent behind having a non specifying specifically that there be a non resident on the com commission? That was discussed just to bring in some flexibility. Um, you know, you don't have to take that option, it is there. If you do find someone, that is um, you know, well-established in our community that does lots of work here, that has a business here, you do have that option as a, as a council to um, you know, appoint them. There. Council Member Kelly, please. Yes, one of the other things we thought about um, Air Pro Tem was the frequency with which architects from Palm Desert have to disqualify themselves from cases. And so the proposed language is not drafted so as to require appointing someone from outside the city, but as Rosie said, just to create that flexibility in case frequency of disqualifications with experience suggests that would be helpful or useful. Uh, or, for example, if we got into a situation where we just couldn't find someone who had the time to serve with landscape expertise. So, again, flexibility as opposed to uh, a mandatory requirement. Okay. Um, Council Member Kelly, please. Um, Councilor, Council Member Kelly, thank you for that. And what was the subcommittee's intent in, uh, as I noted, staff recommendation was to go to five, but the subcommittee's recommendation is to go to seven. What, what was your reasoning behind that? Um, you know, eventually, uh, is the council might consider five appropriate, but in recent history, attendance has suggested to us that we need seven as opposed to five. Uh, if we're going to have sufficient people at a meeting to conduct business. Did you take into consideration that then the, a quorum would require four rather than three? Yes. Okay. Uh, um, Ms. Lua, 
do I recall that a quorum would be determined by the members present, a simple majority of the members present? Or, or how was that written? I remember reading something. Yeah, we, we discussed several ways to try to get our quorum, but um, I think we received some clarification from our city attorney on, on that. If, if Bob could chime in on that. Yeah, the Brown Act provides that a quorum is a majority of the basically authorized members of the body. So if you have a seven member okay. body, the quorum is going to be four, and that's irrespective of vacancies and conflicts and whatnot. Thank you. Okay, um, Council Member Quintanilla, please. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I just am reminding or reminded myself that when we were going through the committee interviews, wasn't this one that it was kind of difficult to fill? Is that one of the reasons that it we it may have been shrunken down in order to ensure that we had enough people? Uh, my memory is that we didn't have a lack of applicants for ARC. Uh, we, we had an abundance of riches and made some choices in terms of our top flight. We... Uh, needed to do some extra recruitment for the landscape expertise because that's not something we had explicitly recruited for uh, in recent history. I think that's what you're recalling. Yes, very much. Uh, I That was the clarification. I appreciate it. Okay, are there any other questions or comments regarding this issue? Okay, seeing none, I'll entertain a motion, please. A motion to approve. And is there a second? Second. Okay, we have a motion and a second. And so I see now uh, Mayor I Pro see Mayor Pro Tem's hand up. Uh, thank yeah. you. I was trying to say that. So uh, it would be time for discussion. Uh, Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan, please. Yeah, thank you. I actually put my hand up before the motion was made. I don't think you saw it. Um, so I don't know how to proceed now. I'll just express my preference. Um, my personal preference would be to adhere to the recommendation of those that know best, and those are the ones that serve on the actual ARC. So I would prefer bringing it down to five. I think it'll actually be easier to get a quorum because it's easier to get three people to a meeting than four. I also think that um, they would operate more efficiently, which was their primary objective in reducing the commission down to five. If we do that, then rather than specify how many um, members going into each category, then we could just say that um, the commission shall ideally include architects, landscape architects, develop and industry professionals and so forth, rather than pinning an exact numbers to each category. Thank you. I see our city manager has his hand up, please. Yes, thank you, Mayor. Um, Rosie and I have met with uh, the chair and vice chair recently on this uh, proposed amendment. They were also curious as to the size of the committee. And um, I think what we're going to ask you tonight is please approve the seven. We have had a heck of a time getting a quorum lately. We are kicking people back. Um, we've had an issue with uh, one of our commissioners conflicted and it only takes one of them that can't show up. And then we're moving people back again. We need this resolved. If you want to keep, if you want to keep studying this down the road, that's great, but you do have currently six members uh, now that are on that commission uh, with the, your last appointee, but I would urge you not to make any changes in, in, to this. Uh, one conflict and one absence moves us back two more weeks. 
and we are we are constantly apologizing to developers. Okay, that's persuasive. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, we have a motion and a second. Is there any further discussion? Can we have a vote, please? Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. Yes. Councilmember Nestandi. Yes. Councilmember Quintanilla. Aye. Mayor Harnick. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Thank you so much. Okay, we will now go to B, which is consider amendment to ordinance numbers. 13741 and 12581, revising chapter 24.04.060, invasive plant species of the Palm Desert Municipal Code relating to prohibited landscape materials for development design and installation. And it looks like Mr. Chavez is with us tonight. Morning, Madam Mayor and members of the City Council. I'm Randy Chavez, Community Services Manager. You have before you an amendment to ordinances 1374 section 1 and 1258 section 1 revising chapter 24.04.06 invasive plant species. The proposed revisions include the addition of noxious and nuisance plants to the existing list of invasive species already prohibited in the city. Two additions to the list of prohibited species include the rosewood tree and the pencil cactus. Prohibitions have been defined to disallow invasive, noxious, or nuisance plants being planted in the city. Staff anticipate enforcement occurring primarily during plan review of new developments. Existing prohibitive species in the city will not be required to be removed due to this ordinance update. With that, I will be happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you so much. We will... Um go to public comment first, if there's any public comment at all on this item. And I see none. So are there any questions for staff? Okay, are there any comments? Oh, I see, uh, yes, uh, Council Member Kelly. Uh my comment is, Mr. Chavez, you do terrific work. And uh, I'm so happy to see this proposal come forward. I'm just glad I'm not an invasive species because I wouldn't stand a chance against you. So I'll be ready to move approval if there is no further discussion. Is there a second? I will second the motion. Thank you. And with a motion and a second, I will say this. I am so happy to see this, which I know uh, many people know. Uh, and the pencil cactus too, which is so, so poisonous. Uh, so this is wonderful to see. And this I know is in the best interest of not only Palm Desert, but hopefully will uh, this is aligned with um, the CVAG plant palette or hopefully they're aligned with us, but this is great. Thank you. Uh, and I see Council Member Quintanilla's hand is up. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I would like to extend my gratitude to Mr. Chavez and the team. When we first met, we did the tour, and those were a lot of my questions about what's sustainable, what's invasive. So I can only imagine how long this has been in the making. So I thank you all for, for making our city safer and making our long-term plan of saving water and, and helping the city. So much gratitude to you and your department. Okay, we have a motion and a second. If there is no further discussion, can we have a motion? 
Oh, it's it, that already happened. So can we have a, a vote, please? Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. Yes. Councilmember Nestandi. Yes. Councilmember Quintanilla. Aye. Mayor Harnick. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Thank you so much. Okay, our next is C, award contract to InterWest Consulting Group, Inc. of Paris, California for design and engineering services of Lupin Plaza in the amount of $562,135, project number 810-22. And who will, oh, it looks like Mr. Bowman will be providing us with a Actually, uh, good evening, Mayor, members of the city. Or Mr. Seha. Eric Seha, Director of Economic Development. I'm actually uh, tag-teaming this with uh, Randy Bowman. Uh, we want to discuss uh, the Lupine Plaza and the RFP that was out and the potential contract to work with InterWest. Uh, if I get the next slide. The computer is not responding. There it is. All right, we want to uh, go through uh, a bit of an agenda regarding Lupin Plaza, give you some history uh, on the project itself, kind of how it's come about, uh, particularly through the COVID-19 pandemic. And then Randy wants, uh, we'll get into kind of the procurement process of hiring the consultant, some of the alternatives we're looking at, um, and along with the fee uh, proposed for this project. So with the history, uh, again, Lupin Plaza came about through COVID-19. The city responded in trying to provide a safe, uh, socially distanced space along El Paseo to help our restaurants and other businesses in the area so that visitors along the street had that uh, safe refuge along the El Paseo corridor. It was a temporary plaza that remained in place uh, through December 2021 when the city then removed those improvements. And the plaza itself uh, traditionally has included tables, chairs, umbrellas, other furnishings uh, that people could, uh, again, find refuge along the street. Uh, we did issue an RFP uh, to con uh, contract with MIG Inc. They did a preliminary design uh, for the plaza, looking at what a permanent designed plaza would look like for the street. And as part of that process, uh, we created a, a subcommittee of stakeholders and vetted these uh, options with not only that subcommittee, but with other members along El Paseo and the community at large. Some of our outreach efforts included uh, surveys on engaged Palm Desert, and the subcommittee itself included members uh, from city council, uh, the city's architectural review commission, uh, planning commission, parks and rec commission, cultural arts committee, um, as well as a representative from the El Paseo Business Improvement District and a nearby property owner. And then later uh, this past year in April, the city council did approve that conceptual design uh, to try to move forward with permanent improvements for Lupin Plaza. And now uh, with the release of that RFP, uh, which Randy will talk about next, uh, we're looking for the actual design services to make this a permanent plaza. So, Randy. Thank you, Eric. Uh, so uh, the consultant procurement, uh, after uh, direction from council in June, uh, staff released uh, an RFP uh, and uh, conducted a pre-proposal with potential interested uh, consulting firms. Uh, the proposals were submitted at the end of August. Uh, we conducted interviews uh, right before Labor Day and uh, uh, had discussions with uh, the, the recommended uh, consultant uh, that uh, the evaluation committee reviewed uh, shortly after uh, Labor Day. Uh, the um, evaluation committee consisted of uh, staff members from Public Works and Economic Development. The RFP was constructed 
with a scope of work that would, uh, the consultant would conduct their work in two phases. Uh, phase one would be a study up to three alternative layouts uh, for Lupin Plaza. I'll get into those alternatives uh, in the next uh, couple of slides. Conduct CEQA analysis, uh, traffic study, uh, preliminary engineering, and keep the community engaged along the way. At the conclusion of phase one, uh, staff would come back to the city council uh, to present that information and receive further direction from city council. If city council wants uh, staff to uh, study alternatives, uh, we would ask for uh, a recommendation uh, or direction from city council on which alternative to then proceed to conduct final engineering on in phase two. Uh, and then the consultant uh, uh, contract that includes construction support, bidding support, Construction support is staying on board to review submittals by uh, contractors to uh, uh, confirm that they conform to the, the design drawings. And of course, keep the community engaged during uh, phase two. Uh, we received uh, uh, by the deadline two proposals, uh, one from MIG and one from Interwest, uh, their information uh, where they're located and the amounts that were proposed and their uh, proposals uh, are displayed on this screen. Uh, the committee reviewed both proposals and uh, uh, following the interviews uh, is recommending uh, unanimously uh, uh, hiring InterWest Consulting Group uh, for the reasons that uh, are, are listed in the staff report as I've uh, elucidated on the screen here. Um, I will say that uh, we, uh, had uh, uh, the interwest proposal cost proposal reviewed by a third party uh, who had gave us some advice uh, on how to uh, respond and, and ask for clarifications in the fee proposal from interwest uh, during our, our fee uh, negotiations. Uh, ultimately, the third party reviewer uh, uh, recommended that uh, uh, interwest uh, fee proposal was really, the best value and the lowest uh, cost of the of the two proposals that we received. Uh, the timeline uh, as proposed by Interwest uh, is a 14 month design schedule. Uh, phase one uh, would be completed in the first quarter of next year. And then phase two would be completed uh, uh, a little over a year from now. Uh, getting to the alternatives, uh, the alternatives that were uh, provided to uh, provided in the RFP to anyone who wanted to propose included three uh, alternatives. And these were the alternatives that were uh, shared, discussed uh, with the city council during the concept uh, stage that led up to uh, the uh, April and June meetings this year. Uh, one on the left side is a full closure uh, uh, of, of Lupin Plaza uh, toward uh, uh, Fred Waring. Uh, the middle one is a slow street that would be uh, a roadway closure uh, that would be like part-time. So the, the plaza would be in, in place most of the time uh, with occasional uh, traffic through the, the plaza with the use of removable bollards. And then lastly, uh, an, another alternative could be a one-way uh, northbound uh, full-time vehicular access, perhaps closed during special events, but normally that one-way uh, access would be open uh, normally. The fee proposal options. Um, this is some of the direction that we are seeking from city council tonight. Uh, the, the base contract uh, proposed uh, 
uh, by uh, staff and the and the uh, uh, consultant is the $562,135. Uh, if council wants to uh, staff and the team to uh, analyze one or more additional uh, alternatives, those costs are displayed in the table. So if uh, council wants two alternatives, then the total design contract would be $579,015. Three would be the, the last number, the five, just shy of $596,000. Uh, so staff is recommending uh, uh, that uh, council awards the contract to Interwest, uh, either with a, uh, a contract amount of 562, 579, or 595, as displayed on this screen. Uh, that would, um, uh, when council makes a motion, uh, if you could substitute appropriately the number uh, reflecting what council is directing staff to do. That is uh, the end of my slides, our presentation, and we are happy to answer questions. Okay. Um, I think what we'll do is we'll go to public comment now, and then we will go to questions and comments. So uh, please remember that uh, we would like your name, residence, and Please share with us no more than three minutes of comments. So we will first go to Monica McElroy. Hi, thank you for having this forum. I haven't attended a council meeting in over two years and boy, did I get a show today. Um, I wanna just say that I take Lupine every day um, on my way to work and during the closure, during the pandemic, I thought it was awful. It looked awful. It was an eyesore. Um, I don't, all I see it is a future place for the unhoused. Um, I feel that we can spend that money better elsewhere. Um, I mean, I don't understand what's wrong with straight lines. Um, the mess on San Pablo, like I can't even drive San Pablo because it drives me nuts. Um, every time I drive down there, th that it's not a straight line. Um, I feel El Paseo is also a hot mess with those bumps and the grates, and that looks unsightly. Um, the paint looks horrific. And then let's discuss the CV link. That's a, another hot mess that needs to be uh, rectified. That intersection, Monterey and Parkview is a hot mess. It's a accident waiting to happen. I feel before we spend more money on closing roads, we should be fixing the problems that already exist in our city. I've lived here for over 40 years. Um, I love Palm Desert. I work in Palm Desert. I've raised my kids in Palm Desert. And I just feel like we need to better Palm Desert back to the way it used to be. Um, we need to clean things up. Um, it's, it's just a hot mess. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, our next comments are from Kathy Green, please. And remember, if you can provide your name, uh, residence. And yes. Please share with us no more than three minutes. Okay, uh, my name is Kathy Green. I represent Allied District Properties. That's on El Paseo and Lupine. Um, I think I've spoken before that we don't feel like this is the proper pace for Lupine Plaza. But I think we need to go back to what the goal is. If you look at the 
um, Engage Palm Desert website or the staff report, it talks about a rest and an eating area for visitors and a space for local restaurants. It, it seems like there is a big conversation going on about supporting the restaurants and trying to get them, them to have permanent outdoor dining. So we feel like it would be much, the money would be much better used there. Um, and they have the expertise to do it better because they have people there all the time to clean and maintain and um, make sure that it's uh, up to El Paseo standards. Um, so the question is, should this $4 million be spent on Lupine Lane? Um, it's, an, it's a lot of money. And I think it would be better served elsewhere, which would you know, be helping the restaurants, which is a win-win for both. You're helping your local businesses and you're also helping your visitors. Um, if, if the goal is to you know, hold events, then I think that is a whole host of other issues. What's the capacity? There's no bathrooms. How do you handle traffic? Um, and, and why wouldn't we use San Pablo where I think $15 million was just spent? So that's the first um, point. The second is where the community support is for this project. We have presented two petitions with over 100 signatures of individuals and 40 businesses who are against the permanent closure of, the, of Lupine Lane. We haven't seen this mentioned in the, in the current staff report for this meeting or the last staff report, and we don't understand why City Council hasn't addressed the petitions. Engage Palm Desert currently has 23 responses um, and only eight are in favor of it. Um, and that's 23 responses in eight months. So if we have 100 signatures from individuals and 40 businesses, I don't understand how that can't be given some weight. Um, and we don't also understand where the, the documentation is to support your positive feedback from the MIG Consulting Report or FG Creative. We haven't been given any information about what interviews were conducted, what questions were asked, who really is in favor of this. And finally, I took a look at the RFP um, and the agreement, and it doesn't uh, really address a phase one and phase two approach. There's no money allocated to community outreach in the $562,000. Um, and it doesn't really explain how much money is being spent in phase one before a decision is made to go to phase two. So I, I don't really understand how that was, um, you know, how that RFP was written in comparison to the staff report. Okay, thank you thank for you. your comments. Um, I would assume the next is Paul Goodman, please. And your residence would be important. I think we haven't heard that before from Ms. Green. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Goodman, you are muted. Mr. Goodman, you are muted. Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, now. Okay, sorry about that. Technical difficulties. Um, yeah, so I, I would, uh, my name is Paul Goodman, Allied District Properties as well, uh, represent El Paseo Square. Um, so I will be repeating a little bit what's been spoken before, but let me just back up and provide some context. Uh, you know, as everybody understands, the intention of the city was always to allocate an area 
in proximity to El Paseo as a resting top uh, when the pandemic started, and that sort of precipitated the effort. Uh, I and our team prepared a design for City Council. We sent it to Kevin Swartz to be distributed to City Council back in 2020 for a temporary structure. Uh, We went through the effort of preparing a budget of less than $100,000 for the purchase and installation of all items that will be required, um, including benches, movable planters, seating arrangements for outdoor dining, and um, frankly, we had no response. Uh, that The plan also included high-end lighting to be strung across the road and shading and piped-in music. Uh, Coda Gallery was also proposing to stage outdoor sculptures, um, and so I, I cannot express the urgency at the time you know, we needed the city to move quickly on, on closing off Lupine, and we appreciate the effort that they went through. But really, the problem occurred afterwards. So, um, you know, as was iterated by, by Monica, uh, you know, what happened afterwards was, was awful. Um, you know, and, and no real fault for anybody. It was just a real uh, difficult uh, project to maintain sufficiently. Cleanliness was a problem. Trash was a problem. We have eight restaurants right there, right on Lupine Plaza. Um, so, you know, cleanliness, trash, and vermin are big issues that we need to maintain. And that just got worse and worse during the pandemic when this temporary closure um, was up. Um, so, uh, you know, other issues are traffic. Um, you know, if you close off Lupine Plaza, uh, what, what's, what's the plan? Are we going to have a cul-de-sac um, at the end so that when, you know, you've got a trailer, 53-foot trailer coming with a cab that's 73 feet coming from Highway 111 south on Lupine, how do they intend to turn around when they see, you know, a dead end there? There's not going to be even an option, frankly, to go through our shopping center or even Coverly Square. Um, uh, we've got safety issues I, I touched on before, loading. Um, you know, we... Hello? Mr. Goodman, thank you. Um, can we have our, our next speaker is uh, Samuel Heaton. Can you give your name, your uh, residence? And please limit your comments to three minutes. My name is Sam Heaton, and I'm director of Coda Gallery on El Paseo. I am continuing to voice our objections and support the community positions, objecting to the permanent closure of Lupin Lane. Blocking vehicular traffic on Lupin during the pandemic caused major problems with traffic flow and customers' ability to access area businesses, as well as preventing parking and delivery access. Coda Gallery's business suffered as a result. Please do not close Lupin Lane. That said, I am amazed at the exorbitant $4 million proposal to improve 7,000 square feet of pavement, a half block, which doesn't even include a building. That same $4 million could benefit Palm Desert residents, visitors, and retailers by making El Paseo itself more walkable. 
providing shade trees and seating, and by slowing down speeding traffic on El Paseo, which is a daily safety problem. Unfortunately, these benefits were all part of a previous plan, which did not move forward. I respectfully urge the City Council to listen. Please listen to the substantial number of businesses, residences, and other stakeholders who have voiced their objections to closing Lupin Lane. Please move to prevent this costly mistake. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any other members of the public who would like to speak to this issue? Anyone else at all? Okay, I see none. So the time for public comment is now over. Are there any questions from the council for our staff? Yes, Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan, please. Thank you, Mayor. Um, so I, I, you know, that, that $4 million price tag is, is just a, you know, kind of, kind of hard to get your arms around that, you know, I mean, and I, I think we've, we've talked about it, so I'm going to accept it. My question to staff is in the proposed contract, whether it's in phase one or phase two, do we have any kind of value engineering, AKA cost reduction services that might for a change pleasantly surprise us with a lower cost than originally budgeted? Uh, the, uh, the the consultant will be tasked uh, to uh, generate uh, several versions of uh, of the cost analysis, uh, uh, cost estimating for the project. They'll be refined as the project proceeds, and that would include the value engineering uh, exercises. Okay, so we talked about, for example, there's an array of materials that can be used, some more expensive than others. You're, you're, that's what you're referring to, those kinds of opportunities? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Uh, questions, uh, Council Member Kelly, please. Yes, just to follow up on that uh, question, um, if if we were to say uh, to the contractor, what we looked at before is pretty much a Tesla approach. We also want to look at a Chevy Bolt approach. Uh, could that degree of alternative come within the scope of this contract? Or um, should I infer from the exchange you just had with Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan that it's a matter of trimming here or trimming there? Do we have the opportunity within this contract to say, four million bucks is scaring us. So really show us what we get for that. Show us what four million dollars gets and show us what do gets. I think that was some direction that we would we would crave from the city council. Uh, uh, if you want us to explore, uh, say, I drive a Chevy Bolt, by the way, I just bought one. Uh, and uh, uh, it's a very good car. And um, we could we could certainly include that in in the efforts that the consultant uh, would be working on. I think we well, would that direction. And I pick those cars intentionally because everybody I know who has a Chevy Bolt likes it. So by saying we should perhaps be looking at a more economical alternative, 
That's to determine if it can do just as much for us, if it can still accomplish our goals. Uh, the other question is, and I apologize if I should have been able to figure this out from uh, looking at the scope of work language, uh, but I didn't. So exactly what will the traffic study entail? Because we've got lots of members of the public expressing concerns about impacts of the project on traffic. Uh, what will this study traffic, this traffic study <laughs> entail? Sure, ma'am. Uh, so depending on the alternatives that council wants us to study, alternative layouts, for the plaza, such as those that we displayed on the screen, uh, the traffic impacts would be studied uh, to determine like if it's a full closure, uh, how would that impact the abutting roadways, driveways, private properties? That's a typical analysis that's done, say during the CEQA uh, analysis or any other kind of a capital improvement project. What if? Uh, so if, if council wants us to study one, two or three alternatives, we would apply those those same uh, 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 study efforts. Uh, if it's a one-way northbound uh, option that council wants us to study, we would examine uh, and model uh, what those impacts could be to the surrounding public and, and, and private network. Also, uh, I would add too, I, I remember from uh, the concept uh, presentations, uh, concerns about uh, loading zones uh, and pickup drop-off uh, and that also would be would be looked at along with any uh, uh, impacts to to parking on the on the streets. Okay, um, Council Member Quintanilla, please. Thank you, Madam Mayor. My question for for Mr. Bowman is first: correct me if I'm wrong. Um, if when we first started discussing this, we had established that there are no public restrooms along all of El Paseo, with the exception of um, the gardens. Uh, I'm going to defer to Mr. Sayad to confirm that. That's correct. Okay, so my follow-up question, thank you very much for, for um, answering that, Mr. Sayad. As we look at redesigning, shaking it up, whatever this will be, could we possibly have additional restrooms and what would the cost be to appease some of our, our the concerns of, um, of the residents and home and business owners? Uh, that is something we can include in the in the the, the work that the consultant is doing. Uh, I I know that we we asked for uh, in the in the proposers uh, from the proposers uh, uh, to think about the possibility of of restroom facilities, uh, and I think a challenge will be say connections to water and sewer, uh, uh, as well as how they're located situated. So we are planning to look at those, but if council wants to provide some further clarification or direction on any specific elements you want studied about that, we'd be happy to, to include that in the, in the efforts by the consultant. Thank you. Are there any other questions? I have one quick question on the, it was the middle one with the, I think you called it slow street, maybe? Did that have access to the loading dock for the business that is on the northeast corner? Uh, the, the concept uh, shows like a very narrow vehicular access that, that I think it would be surrounded by wider pedestrian gathering areas. Uh, so I think my first 
my first inclination is there probably is not room in that as it that was portrayed room for a loading uh, dock right there uh, within that the limits of that uh, slow street vehicular access way. Uh, but if, if council wants us to uh, uh, add anything to to the scope uh, uh, to be sure that we study that, we'll certainly be happy to do that. Okay, thank you. Are there any other questions? Okay, uh, how about comments now? Any comments regarding this? <laughs> yes, Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. I guess I'll go first. Um, you know, the, the issue of restrooms, I, I don't mind at all staffs um, studying that. I do note that there are many, many, many restrooms on El Paseo. They're in restaurants, they're in bars, they're in the stores. So, uh, you know, hopefully uh, the idea is to draw people to El Paseo so that they are then drawn to those businesses and are free to use those restrooms. But, but I see the advantages of public restrooms and the disadvantages. So I think it's worthy of study. And to that point, you know, I heard a couple of comments uh, that, you know, where um, some of our stakeholders are hoping that we will listen. Uh, I've noted this before, listening is, is different than agreeing. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty certain that we all listen um, to comments that we receive from staff, from the public, from stakeholders, from businesses. Um, but sometimes listening doesn't equal um, agreeing. Um, so in this case, from, from my personal perspective, I think creating an urban park is uh, something to be celebrated. Um, I think uh, Lupine Plaza, as we envision it, um, is part of our strategic plan. It is part of Envision Palm Desert. It is intended to assist the businesses on El Paseo to make El Paseo even more special than it already is uh, and to enhance its stature for the future. We've always looked at El Paseo as a walkable street and walkability is enhanced by a place where one can sit down, take a break and maybe uh, consume something from one of the local restaurants um, or bars or whatever. Um, I also wanna note that in an attempt to test drive the concept of Lupin Plaza, we put something up temporarily. We, staff was amazing. They did it so quickly um, but it was never meant to be a vision of everything that Lupine Plaza could be. And what we will have there, I hope in the future, will be vastly different from the, the very quickly assembled test run that staff put together um, so amazingly. So um, please hold judgment on uh, until you see the final product. Um, and, and finally, I, I really um, like council member Kelly's suggestion that, that you know, we look at a couple of significantly different cost-wise, different alternatives, because I mean, 4 million bucks, you know, and I heard somebody say it's 7,000 square feet. If you build a, a luxury home on a 7,000 square foot lot, you're gonna pay less than half of that. Uh, and this isn't a home, this is a, a, essentially a park. So I hope that we can do it for less, um, but I've also come up against this in the past. And I understand that sometimes as a city, things just cost uh, a lot more. I get that. So um, in terms of comments, for all those reasons, I would be in favor of moving forward with staff recommendation uh, and, and limiting the contract to uh, the, the, the first design concept with no streets running through it. This needs to be an urban park. Thank you. Council Member Nistandi, please. 
Yes, thank you, Mayor. And I'll just reinforce what Council Member Jonathan said, and I like your choice of words, urban park. And this is what this space is going to be. It's, it's going to be a beautiful space. It fits in with our goals of making El Paseo more walkable. And it is, it is a great plan. We've had community outreach on it uh, since last spring. And we did do a demonstration. We've asked for feedback. And I, and I know people that submitted letters of support directly to the, to the city email address. And uh, I know it sounds like a lot of money. It is a lot of money. And I do believe though it fits into the image of Palm Desert. We are striving to make it a destination place and it will benefit El Paseo and all the visitors as we move forward. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Council Member Kinkanea. Thank you, Madam Mayor. In following some of the the great points that my peers are making. I say that there aren't quite the public restrooms because if you're walking down when the shops are, are closed, for example, um, I don't know who watches what channel in the mornings, but when Patrick Evans does his uh, feed and he says, here's the El Paseo cam, and this guy walks his three dogs every day, he's regular. So that's before a lot of businesses open. So if we were to consider that because it's a walkable area, we do need public restrooms. And I think when we first considered it, we talked about, I think it was called the port loop And I think that that had a lot of uh, beneficial options if we looked at the reports from the cities that used them. My other point to make is that as we look at restaurants that are there, if we have this plaza open, they could stay open later and make additional revenue. And that's one of the things that we talk about making an experience-based um, feature in the city. That would be a great place for people to hang out while they're waiting for others to get there and, and then gather to where they're going to go have dinner. I think that it is a, a great addition to the city, and I think we have to look at where we're going forward. And the big challenge is, I mean, we're looking at 50 years. Who would have thought that we were here when the city was first founded 50 years ago? So I, I think that this is a step of progress towards the future. Thank you, Councilmember Kelly, please. Thank you. Uh, quite a few of those who commented here and before the meeting have asked, what are you trying to accomplish? And I want to be clear about what prompts me to uh, really want to move forward with some version of this project. Uh, when we did the Gibbs study on El Paseo, one conclusion, one takeaway was very, very clear. The north side of the street gets more sun, which creates a disincentive uh, for people to cross from the south to the north and impacts all of the businesses on the north. Uh, to my way of thinking, creating a gorgeous, attractive area for people to sit down and rest is an optimal way uh, to attract people to the north side of the street. And I would hope positioning it at Lupin at the gateway of El Paseo Square 
would introduce lots of visitors to the existence of all of those businesses there. Residents might be aware of its presence, uh, but visitors who perhaps park in the gardens and start their walk of El Paseo on the south side won't necessarily know about all these great uh, fast casual dining options and shopping options. Uh, so I see the project and the placement of the project is ultimately having so much potential uh, to help the city, help our visitors, and help all of the businesses uh, who are contributing to this conversation. Now, how would I suggest moving forward? Yes, first of all, let's explore whether this is a good location for public restrooms. If it's not uh, because of space plumbing or whatever, we can certainly invite staff to look for a better location. Maybe there's a good spot on President's Plaza. We sure as heck know the plumbing's there backwards and forwards. Uh, so, yes, let's explore whether this is a good location. And my appeal to my colleagues is this. Given the scope of what we're spending, let's spend the $50,000 to fully explore and understand alternative one and alternative two. It is absolutely inevitable in all human dealings that no matter how much effort you go to to involve people in a conversation and get their opinions as time goes by and things get more serious, more people will get engaged with strong feelings. We have more people engaged now with strong feelings and with real stakes in the outcome than we did when our original design was approved. So we want this ultimately uh, to be a project that everybody's excited about at the ribbon cutting. We want Ms. Green and Mr. Goodman to be just as excited as Mayor Pertim Jonathan when he comes back for that ribbon cutting. Let's spend $50,000 to fully explore options one and two to see how far they get us. Uh, so I would favor um, moving this forward uh, with the staff proposal that includes uh, the two alternatives with a further request uh, to see uh, if there is a more economical option in each of these categories and to explore suitability for public restrooms. Okay, thank you. Uh, Mayor Pro Tem, Jonathan, please. Thank you, Mayor. So listen, I, you know, th those are cogent pay points that, that Councilmember Kelly makes. I, I have a slightly different perspective. I think in this case, it's not as important to please everybody as it is to do the right thing. And to me, to me, uh, a park with a road running through it is not a park. It's it's kind of a two-sided green belt or something. 
in, in my mind, it would so diminish the vision that I have for Lupine Plaza as to make it a non-starter. Uh, so while I'll appreciate that perspective, I think we need to go all in on this and make it a true urban park, meaning no road running through it. So I, I stand by my original suggestion that we accept staff recommendation, but only uh, with plan one. Thank you. Councilmember Keatonia, please. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I understand and support that having a road run through it doesn't make it a park anymore because you can't have your kids running around. If anybody knows when you take your kid somewhere and set them down, they're gonna run all over the place. And to me, that's a concern. Um, having it be one way, I think that's another challenge. I think that we've seen, and yes, right now El Paseo is running two ways. If we suddenly change things where something is only one way, we have seen people from out of town have trouble adjusting to one-way streets in Palm Springs, for example. So I think the challenge of having the road go through it is a safety concern. And I think that having um, the one-way street is a secondary, but almost equal concern. And there are so many options of how it can be done, but I think that considering safety is our number one priority. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Are there any other comments? Any further discussion? Are you ready for a motion, Mayor? Uh, yes, I believe so. And I, I do want to note that uh, there are members of the public, I see hands up, but we have uh, concluded public comment. Uh, that's why we had it at the beginning so that we could hear your comments and consider them in the discussion. So yes, uh, I would entertain a motion. Thank you. I'll move for approval of staff recommendation, uh, limiting the contract to design one, meaning no road running through the park. I would second that motion. And for clarification, that would also include the exploration of a restroom and looking at the cost alternatives. Thank you, absolutely, yes, thank you. And I'm seconding that motion. Okay, um, I would like to, if I may, uh, add a friendly amendment to it. And you can say yay or nay, but I think it is worth looking at the slow street, not necessarily in the middle of the street, perhaps on the side of it. And I hear all the points and they all make sense to me. But as we go through our studies and we find whatever we do find, one may make more sense than the other. And I, so for that reason, would I put it in the middle? No, I would not. But we have the option to provide direction. So I would like, just offer that for consideration to the maker of the motion. Yeah, and with respect, and, and I understand your perspective I, and, and I respect it, but, but I'm gonna decline because I just think a road is gonna take space away from the park. A road is gonna create safety issues and a road will make that park, will make Lupine Plaza less than all that it can be. And I, I really feel passionately that we get one chance to get this right and I think getting it right means a park and a park means not having a road running through it or, uh, or along it. So with respect, I'm gonna stick with the original motion. We'll see how it goes. Okie doke. 
Uh, are there any additional comments? Any more discussion? Okay, seeing none. May we have a roll call vote, please? Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. No. Councilmember Nistandi. Yes. Councilmember Quintanilla. Aye. Mayor Harnick. No. I'm I'm sorry, I miscounted. So <laughs> it's it's three two, yes. Okay. Thank you. Uh, motion passes three to two. Okay, thank you. Okay, we will now move on to D, award contract to Herman Design Group of Palm Desert, California for design services of Green Street Box renovation and turf reduction at Desert Willow Golf Resort in the amount of $305,100, project number 854-21. And who gives us our report? Uh, Clay, would you elevate uh, uh, the project manager, Audrey Nickerson, please? Are we waiting for Ms. Nickerson? Yes, 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 we are, ma'am. Oh, um, there, and there she is. Okay, good. Great, thank you. Evening, sorry, it took a minute. Uh, today, we'd, we would like to recommend the award of the design contract to Herman Design Group for the greens and tea box renovation and turf reduction project at Desert Willow Golf Resort. The project is made up of two main components, as the title suggests. The first component includes uh, the expansion and servicing of greens and relocation of several tee boxes at the Firecliff Golf Course to improve the playability of the course. These improvements are based on recommendations that were set forth in the Capital Improvement Master Plan prepared by the golf course architect, Herzan Golf, in 2014. The second component includes removal of approximately 24 acres of turf along the perimeter of the Firecliff and Mountain View golf courses and installation of drought tolerant landscaping. The turf reduction component is a requirement for the desert surf developer to mitigate water demand associated with that development. Uh, staff added the turf reduction component to the existing greens and tea box renovation project in an effort to minimize disruptions to operations at Desert Willow associated with construction um, and to deliver a cohesive landscape design. In response to our RFP for design services, we received three proposals. The selection committee included myself, the course architect, and a Desert Willow representative. We evaluated the proposals and reached out to um, references that were provided. And Herman Design Group was selected based on their strong project understanding and approach their detailed breakdown of the two major components, um, also broken down by golf course, and the positive feedback received from other public agencies they've completed projects for locally. The total design cost is $305,100, and to provide maximum flexibility for scheduling and to identify the costs associated with the turf reduction, um, we, the detailed cost 
breakdown and is or the detailed cost is broken down for each golf course and each project component. So the desert surf developer would be responsible for all costs to design and implement the turf reduction improvements and we would track that throughout design and, and construction. Ultimately construction of the fire cliff improvements and that would be you know, the T the, the greens and tee box renovation need to commence in June 2023 and be completed by October 2023 to avoid closures during season. If Desert Surf is ready to move forward at that time, uh, the turf reduction would be included as part of the construction project. Otherwise, the turf reduction improvements would be delayed until the development moves forward and funding is made available or the city decides to allocate funding for those improvements. That concludes my presentation. I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you so much. Uh, are there any public comments on this issue? And I see none. So are there any questions of staff? And Mayor Pro Tem, Jonathan, please. Thank you, Mayor. Um, two questions, Ms. Nickerson. Um, number one, and I have a, a great deal of respect for the Herman Design Group. Um, but I'm not sure, I mean, this is a very golf centric contract and, you know, golf courses are very unique when you talk about, um, you know, tee boxes and greens and so forth has, I didn't see whether or not Herman design group has specific experience in the golf industry. Do they? Um, they do not have experience designing golf courses but they do have the irrigation specialist, which is a large, comp large component of the project that is a subconsultant on their team, is the original specialist that uh, where has worked at Desert Willow in the past and has a relationship with our architect and Desert Willow staff. And also we have uh, the original golf course architect under contract to assist during design and construction of the project. So they would provide additional architectural support uh, as we move through the design process. Was Kemper Sport, were representatives from Kemper Sports part of the evaluation committee? Uh, we Derek, Derek White was on the selection committee in addition to um, Herdzan. Okay, and there were no concerns raised at that time about the lack of specific experience. Okay, and then the, fin the second final question really is, um, I did note that Project Links came in at almost half the cost. Um, they were not selected primarily for what reason? Uh, when we looked at their understanding of the project, it was incomplete. They did not include all of the improvements that were included in the master plan, so that price would have changed if we had gone into negotiations with them. Thank you, Ms. Nickerson. Good job. Thank you. Thanks. Are there any other questions or comments? Okay. Um, you know, I did note um, that they actually, that Herman Design did talk about some uh, golf. Maybe I'm, I'm misunderstanding, but it says including golf courses and shows Oak Quarry 18th hole. So I think they have done some and that's probably why um, 
Mr. White supported them, I would assume. But um, their team looks proficient. Yes, um, Council Member Kelly. Yes, I greatly appreciate uh, staff's work on this and especially uh, coordinating the prospect of desert surf turf reduction and also making contingency plans uh, in case that doesn't happen. Uh, so if there are no other comments, I will move to approve. Great. Is there a second? I'll second the motion. Thank you. We have a motion and a second. Can we have roll call vote, please? Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Aye. Council Member Kelly. Yes. Council Member Nistandi. Yes. Council Member Quintanilla. Aye. Mayor Harding. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Thank you very much. Okay, we will now move to public hearings. Um, let me put that over there. Uh, approve A is approve an amendment to general plan amendment. 21-0002, that's GPA 21-0002, numbers an extra zero there, for readoption of the city's six-cycle housing element 2021 through 2029 in accordance with the California Department of Housing and Community Development, HCD, guidelines. And we will have... Uh, a staff report, please. Yes, good evening, Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council. Um, the housing element is a state mandated plan that identifies the city's housing needs. The, um, the plan is for an eight-year period. The sixth cycle housing element is for the planning period of 2021 through 2029. Um, before we um, I continue, I just want to give a quick brief um, overview of the timeline um, that brought us here today. Uh, staff initially commenced the review of the plan, the update, and uh, together with our consultant, Paranova, back in 2021, the plan itself and the analysis was brought to the City Council for approval after having been completed uh, for adoption on March 10th, 2022. After having the plan approved, we went through and submitted, staff submitted to HCD um, the plan. On June 2nd, we received uh, comments from HCD regarding some additional revisions that were necessary to the plan itself. Staff uh, conducted a study session with city council with regards to the proposed revisions in order to meet in response to the HCD uh, comments. On July 18th, the revised housing element was submitted to HCD and we received a conditional letter from HCD on August 11th. On September 6th, uh, staff brought to the Planning Commission for a recommendation of approval of the revised uh, housing element for readoption and they recommended approval. Uh, today, September 29th, we are here reconsidering uh, the readoption of the revised housing element. And we anticipate that if uh, approved today, 
we will hopefully receive a certification of our plan in December. The housing element plan is the only plan in, as part of the general plan that requires certification and it must receive it from the uh, Department of California Housing and Community Development, which is HCD. I'm gonna turn it over to um, Rosie Lua, planning manager, to go over the details of the actual revisions that have taken place and through this timeline. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. And uh, good evening again, uh, honorable mayor and members of the city council. I will take you through those revisions that took place to address the June 2nd letter from HCD. Uh, the revisions to the housing element uh, included additional analysis and data related to housing needs, resources, and constraints. It revised the housing policy programs, uh, and that was to demonstrate a stronger commitment that was required by HCD. That was one of their comments. However, no additional programs were added or deleted as originally approved on March 10th. There was also um, a request to revise uh, our housing opportunity sites, and that included site A, F, and, uh, and we added site I and J to meet the need. And I will go through those in my next slide. So the revisions on the sites included site A, which is our site up here. Um, it originally allocated 200 units for affordability and HCD uh, deemed this site unsuitable for funding sources available for lower income units. This, the 200 units are included in our housing element, however, uh, not within the affordability component. Site F received an, um, a reduction from 326 units to 150 units. Uh, this uh, allocation reduction has been discussed with the property owners of Site F and have deemed it acceptable. And then we've added Site 5, which is within our 170, um, and, and that is uh, the University Neighborhood Specific Plan. That is our 170 acres that's owned by SARDA. Uh, we've allocated two sites, and that is Site I with five acres, 110 units, and Site J for another five acres, 110 units. And as you know, SARDA properties have to be um, you know, offered first to affordable housing, and that those two areas had the density um, that HCD would approve. Again, these are sites that have been reviewed and conditionally approved by HCD as well. With that, um, staff is recommending approval of these revisions so that we can move forward with the re-adoption of our six cycle housing element, uh, which is our last step in order to receive certification of this general plan element. Um, if you have any questions, we are here to answer them. We also have Nicole Chris. She is the uh, consultant that was hired with uh, Terra Nova Planning and Research. She helped produce the document as well as has taken us through the revisions and the um, adoption process with HCD. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, I just want to remind everyone this is a public hearing. So let's start. Are there any questions uh, from council for staff? Yes, Council Member Kelly. Yes, thank you. Uh, in various settings, I've heard members of the public express concern 
that the city is, if you will, dumping all of its affordable housing in the northern part of the city. And when I'm able to engage people in conversation about this, I find that most folks are totally unaware of how much affordable housing is dispersed throughout our city, uh, both city-owned and privately owned. Uh, we take pride in the fact that it's interspersed so well, it's not that noticeable. Uh, so I know you've shared this number in past settings, uh, but do you have handy uh, a number representing how much existing affordable housing of very low, low, moderate income already exists in other parts of the city apart what's shown on the map we just saw? Um, yes, um, Council Member Kelly, and we've prepared a slide um, showing a map, and, and I will let my colleagues speak on that. Give me one second so I can share. While she's sharing, um, that is correct, Councilmember Kelly. We have a lot of existing uh, affordable housing uh, communities. The Palm Desert Housing Authority owns 15 properties, and consisting of those is a th over 1,100 units. In addition to that, we have private developments that have either been um, have either been set aside setting aside housing, affordable housing units through a density bonus housing agreement or other commitments that the housing authority has provided in assistance, loan assistance for the development of the communities that consist of about another 495 units. So in total about 15, um, I'm sorry, uh, 1600 units in addition that are existing throughout the city. Um, this map right here, um, shows you uh, the majority of our, um, a good uh, number of those units are within our major corridor area in our Palma Village area, as well as dispersed throughout some of our other areas in the west, in the eastern side towards Washington area. We have three big communities on that end. And then we also have a, a, a number of other ones in the middle core, such as the Sands, and a couple other ones, yes, in that area. And a few other ones dispersed throughout our um, area so, south of the of Country Club. And, and Councilwoman Kelly, if I could add, um, there, there are two, two points that are reality points. One is that there is no land left south of Country Club. Um, unless the city wants to start consider redevelopment with a little r um, of existing development in the city, and and the city also has more than four thousand units of above moderate income housing planned for the area from from Frank Sinatra North. So so there is there is not a concentration proposed. There, there is a mix of income ranges proposed on vacant lands that remain um, available for development. Thank you. Are there any other questions? Okay, uh, I see none. I have a 
question and it's not huge, but why did HCD determine that the 200 units uh, that are north of Dinosaur and west of Monterey, why did they determine those are not suitable for funding sources? The, Do we know that? We Well, we have two issues. The first is that um, statutorily, our minimum affordable housing density is supposed to be 30 to the acre. That's in government code. HCD, we demonstrated to HCD that in our area, that is not the case. And they took a more realistic approach and accepted our approach for, for the range of about 22 to the acre that we put into the housing element. Okay. Because site A is designated at 10 to 15 per acre, um, they would not consider that to be um, fundable under current standards. Okay, now, and since we have the applicant answering questions, I really should open the public uh, the public hearing. And, Madam Mayor? Yes. Before you do that, Councilmember Quintanilla's computer has glitched and she oh. is not able to connect. And since this is a public hearing, oh, okay. uh, we should probably take a, a short recess so we can get her connected. Absolutely, thank you. So we will wait for, oh, no, we will wait for Council Member Quintanilla, however long it takes. Or are we taking a little break, perhaps? Well, if we would like, I, that sounds like a fine idea, Mayor Pro Tem. It's 7.08. Why don't we come back at 7.15? Is that okay with everyone? Okay, great. We'll see you back at 7.15 and keep our fingers crossed for Council Member Quintanilla.
Sorry for the delay, folks. Can you hear me? We can hear you. We can hear you very much. Okay. Um, we are. We have one more minute. So, uh, we will. Let's see. Give everybody that minute. Play to the rescue. Yeah, that and that explains so very much why he was our honoree the other night at the chamber. The techno wizard. Okay, it is 7.15. Is everyone ready to come back and finish up? Oh, there we go. No. Okay. All right. So uh, I did, because we do have uh, this Chris answering question, I did open the public hearing. And I, I do have to ask, did all uh, council members have their questions answered? Okay. So then we are in the public hearing. And is there anyone from the public who would like to comment on this item? And I see no one. So I will go ahead and close the public hearing and ask for council member comments. Are there any comments? Yes, council member Kelly. Well, I always look forward to issues involving Ms. Christie because I get to take a trip to the beach <laughs> with your background. And of course, your analysis is always so helpful. And uh, I do want to greatly compliment staff for all of your work on the housing element. It's a huge, huge endeavor and the extra layer of back and forth with uh, HCT uh, presented some added challenges, but you've worked through those admirably uh, to help um, Desert continue to achieve our goal of providing a, how, a variety of housing types throughout the city and interspersing those uh, housing options. So kudos. I'm ready to approve it as soon as others have their chance to speak. Thank you. Uh, Council Member Quintanilla, please. Thank you, Madam Mayor. I don't know if it may have come up while I was having my technical difficulties, but I um, wanted to commend staff and the fact that we are well ahead of the regional housing needs. So every every city has their responsibility for moving ahead and providing housing. So thanks to our staff and the future planning, we are on track. A, a lot of cities are way behind. So we are ahead of the game and wanted to say thank you to all the staff involved. Are there any other comments? Okay, uh, Council Member Kelly, did you want to make that motion? Yes, thank you. I move to approve. Is there a second? I'll second the motion. Thank you so much. Can we have a roll call vote, please? Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. Yes. Councilmember Nestendi. Yes. Councilmember Quintanilla. Aye. Mayor Harding. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. 
Thank you so much. Okay, we will now move to, um, let's see, where are we? We're at one, I mean two. Uh, adopt a resolution approving the issuance of the bonds by CMFA for the benefit of Palm Desert Pacific Associates, a California limited partnership, parenthetically the borrower, a partnership of which Pacific West Communities Inc, parenthetically the developer, or a related person to the developer is the general partner to provide for the financing of the project. Such adoption is close. Did I do that right? Madam Mayor. I so missed up. It's Thank you. Hey. No, no one spoke up earlier. You let me go th that far? Come <laughs> on. Okay, so I'm going to go back to B. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Uh, approve a proposed plan for bond issuance to the California Municipal Finance Authority for the Battaglia Apartment project located on the south side of Gerald Ford Drive, east of the Palm Desert Share Station, identified as the approximate plus or minus 11.94 acre portion of APN 694-310-006. That was so much easier. Can we have a report, please? Yes, good evening. Jessica Gonzalez, housing manager. Um, we are here this evening to conduct a public hearing pursuant to the Federal Tax Equity and Fiscal Responsibility Act, or, or as everyone refers to, TEFRA. TEFRA requires that a public hearing be held by the governing body of the jurisdiction in which this project, the Talia Apartments, will be financed with tax exempt financing. And um, the governing body, which is the city, would be approving the proposed financing at the same time. Pacific West Communities has asked California Municipal Finance Authority, which is CMFA, be the issuer of the tax exempt financing in the amount of 62 million. Um, this is for the Vitalia Apartments, 269 unit multifamily affordable uh, community located on the south side of Gerald Ford. CMFA, um, the debt will be issued by CMFA. They will be the sole responsibility of the borrow and the city will not have any financial or legal obligation. The city will also not uh, bear any cost in the issuance of the uh, proposed debt. debt. Uh, Travis Cooper with CMFA is here um, as well if we have any specific questions regarding this public hearing. Thank you so much. Are there any council member questions for staff? Anybody from council have any questions? Seeing none, I will open the public hearing at this time. And uh, did the applicant wish to speak? And I see no hands up. Are there any members of the public who would like to comment on this? Either in opposition or in support. And seeing none. I'll close the public hearing. And then uh, are there any council member comments? Move approval. Second. And we have a vote, please. Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Aye. Council member Kelly. Yes. Council member Nistandi. Yes. Council member Quintanilla. Aye. Mayor Harnick. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Thank you. Now I'll go to C, approve a proposed plan for bond issuance by the California Statewide Communities Development Authority for the Gerald Ford Apartment Project located at 75580 Gerald Ford Drive, Palm Desert. 
Can we have a staff report, please? Yes. Um, before you as well, this is another public hearing uh, to meet the TEFRA requirements. Um, and this is for the Gerald Ford Apartments. This is a separate community that was also awarded 4% tax exempt bonds uh, allocation for 55 million. This is a 150 unit multifamily rental housing community. And the issuer um, for this debt will be, um, as noted, California Statewide Communities Development Authority. I'm happy to answer any questions. Okay, are there any questions for staff from the council? Okay, I see none. And I will go ahead and open the uh, public hearing at this time. Are there any comments from the public or from the applicants? And I see none. So I'll go ahead and close the public hearing. Are there any comments regarding this issue? Okay, seeing none, I'll entertain a motion. I motion to approve. I second. second. Third. We got lots of motions and lots of seconds. Paper, rock, scissors. Rock, paper, can we scissors. Have, can we have a uh, roll call vote, please? Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. Yes. Councilmember Nestandi. Yes. Councilmember Quintanilla. Aye. Mayor Harding. Yes. Motion passes five to zero. Thank you so much. Okay, are there any more information items? Seeing none. Uh, our business is done here today and uh, I will adjourn the meeting and we will be back here on October 13th. Thank you all for your work tonight. Good night, everyone.